now entering the Bass Galaxy. This is Teal's Bass Galaxy. I'm your host. This podcast is about raw, real conversations with real awesome people about bass fishing, bass boats, and heck, there are no limits in the galaxy. Bass Galaxy is brought to you by Veselka Fishing and Customs and just north of Memphis Barbecue, also known as J-N-O-M-M Memphis. Today's guest is, I put a dollar in, I win a boat. I put a dollar in, I win another boat. I put a dollar in, I win another boat. Ladies and gentlemen, the hottest angler in Minnesota to date. He's won another boat and two events on the Champions Tour this past year. This is our second time having him. It's such an honor. Noah Schultz, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, that Hinkle Shad? Yeah. So is it just easier to work? Does it have a different action? Like the 110s, when they were the business, they had the little shimmy on the paws and the nose down deal. That's what made a 110 a 110, you know. I don't know. I think it's probably a lot of the hype around it. Like Ben Milliken, he's got you know half a million subscribers, and he throws that Hinkle Shad all the time. I got you. So I don't know if that's what caused the the price increase. Well, number one, you can't you can't get them. Right. Right. But of all the glide baits that I've thrown over the years, it probably has probably one of the biggest glides and the most drawing power out of any glide bait I've used. Like glides as far as like yeah, width? It, it, yep, it glides big and wide. That's what you want in a glide yeah. bait. Unless you're fishing cover. Sure. You want a tight glide, but. Sure, sure. I'd, yeah, I guess that's what makes it so valuable. You can't get them. Right. And then, so yeah, supply and demand, basic supply and demand. Like right. $1,300 right. for a glide bait is insane. Dude, 1300 for a glide bait is fucking yeah. like stupid. But if I lost mine tomorrow, I, I couldn't justify paying $1,300 for another one. Well, that's just it. Like, that's... It catches them, though. No, I shouldn't say it catches them. It catches big ones. Like, we are watching Redcrest a little bit ago, and uh, they're everyone's throwing glide baits, glide baits, glide baits. It looks like they're, they're all throwing the, the Chad Chad. That's what it looks like. It's hard, to t- it's hard to tell. Nobody's talking about what they're throwing because it's not, it's not like a, a sponsor brand. So right. they're they're just throwing and catching fish, and they're just saying glide bait. But it looks like a Chad Chad to me that most of them are throwing, and the prices are going up already on them. I'm sure they're going to continue to go up. I think you can buy one right now for like three or four hundred bucks online. Okay. On eBay, because they do drops. The Chad Chad. Yeah, they do drops. Isn't that a Spro? They so Spro did a deal with K- oh, okay. KGB. I got you. They did a deal with them, and I think they're selling them for like fifty bucks a piece. But to get the real chad chad you still have to go through kgb and he does drops 
I got you. So those Spro's are knockoffs, or they're true KGB, just co-branded kind th- of deal. Yeah, they're just co-branded. I think. Okay. Spro must have licensed them or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And copied them. I haven't seen any in person, but they look nice on you know online. Oh yeah, they got the little fan tail. Like, yeah, I, I I don't know if if it's worth paying all the extra money. <laughs> I don't know because I fish right. the Arashi, I fish uh, the S waiver a lot. I fish the Shine Glide. I fish. Um, the Molex has got a glide bait for mm-hmm. you. Know, they all they catch them too. Bait sure. Sanity, they're cheap. I catch a lot of them on Bait Sanity glides. But the Hinkle, though, yeah, it's there's definitely something different about it. It's I seem to draw a lot more fish with it. Sure. And I don't know sure. if it's I fish a lot of the depths 250 too, and that's got a big wide glide. But that takes a lot more talent to fish that than the Hinkle does. The Hinkle, gotcha. The Hinkle, you can kind of just straight reel and it works itself. And if you really want to glide, you can get like a two or three foot glide out of that Hinkle. You kind of stop your reel to make it glide. Yeah, I use my reel, so I'll like just quick like a little burst, like half turn, okay. you know, get jot off to one side and kind of, and it just kind of keeps gliding. And I hit it again, it comes back. I see a lot of guys like popping their rod and stuff like that. And I use my reel when I'm gliding, but. It's like one, two, like half turns. Three, and it's hard. Like if you can't see it, you don't know what it's doing. But the more and more you fish these glides, the more you understand, and the more you can feel it in your rod tip. And yeah, like I don't know how to explain it. No, that's it's I, like it's a talent. You gotta yeah, you gotta fish them to to feel what they're doing when you can't see them. And there's a cadence to it. There's an art form to it. It's like yeah. working a jig. I mean, you can't just throw a jig out and like <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yep. It, are you swimming the jigger you know and then uh top water i mean or jerkbait cadence you know yeah like a it's not like you can just pick one up and make it do exactly what you want to do it's not it, a spinnerbait <laughs> yeah <laughs> like anybody it's can about throw, the best that's a, that's the perfect analogy anybody can throw a spinnerbait but to throw a jerkbait and properly yep work it and like a glide bait it says you, you have to impart all the action on right. those lures for them to work that, I mean, that makes sense right it totally does i think <clears throat> the chicken i mean a swim bait or a chicken kind of like a glide bait they're all somewhat swim baits i mean i don't think a lot of people in minnesota are used to like the whole half turn thing it's hard you know it's hard to train yourself to do that when you're used to yep well especially too, like when you're thinking big glide baits and you're talking half turns well, let's say, like, I run 25-pound test fluorocarbon on mine. Sure. Because I'm throwing 8-foot rods. A lot of them are extra heavies. Sure. So I've got big line. And when you bomb a glide bait out there, yeah, your spool is empty. So okay. your half turn does nothing, but it turns into a half turn the closer you get to the boat. Makes sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're moving more line the closer you get to the boat because your spool is starting to fill up with line. That makes sense. So you've got to constantly adjust. Okay. So yeah. you're doing a half, to, and you're probably turning that into a third? Yeah, or it might start out as a full turn okay. and then turn into a half the closer you get to the boat because you know your spools, because you got 25 pound fluorocarbon, that fills right. up your spool pretty fast, you know. Well, I suppose you can feel that bait and it kind of tells you. Especially a hinkle, you can really feel what a hinkle is doing. I got you. Because there's they have so much pull when they do a pull, and a depth 250 has got so much pull when they do a pull to the side. Yeah. You know when it's turning, you can feel it turning. And you just kind of, and that's when you, when you feel it turn, you kind of stop your reel and you let it glide. And you hit it again, and you feel it pull, and you, and you let it glide. So you could probably feel like if you're like pulling it too hard, yeah, because like you get too much or too little. And if you if you you sounds like you're pretty intimate. Yes, with, yes, with that bait. Mm-hmm. Unless you're fishing really clear water, then you can see that. 
That's yeah, like that's, that's a tip I'll give to anybody that wants to get into glide bait fishing. Number one, it's you see way, 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 way more fish than you catch. I got out you. of every, especially with the forward-facing sonar now. Right. For every thirty fish I see follow, I might get one to bite. Huh. It's like it's well with a hinkle, and a depth's two fifty. I'll take that because a depth's two fifty. That's a ten. Inch, big, big that's old a ten-inch bait. bait, you know. So <clears throat> the smaller you go down in the glides, the more bites you get, but then your 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 suff- your quality suffers. But and they they got smaller glides, so I feel like a like a S waiver one sixty eight really isn't truly a glide bait. It's like a kind of like a chopping bait. It's really like I would compare it to like a Zara Spook, like how far a Spook goes back and forth. I got you. Kind of like a one sixty eight S waiver does. Sure. But yeah, I, one tip I would give to anybody is start on a clear body of water, because then you can cast it out and you can see. I started on like a calm shore and you can see your, your glide bait and you can see how it reacts to your turns and your rod sure. movement. And that's, that's the best way to learn. So you start fishing dirtier water or like a windy shore and you can't see your glide bait. You're just assuming what you're, what it's doing. And a lot of times it's not acting right and turning right. And you're killing the action. And huh. so that I'm glad you said that. Cause to be honest with you, I've never thrown one still really i've just been kind of hard-headed about it it seems like uh there's a little bit of cost to get into it there is yeah. so i haven't made the plunge yet even a cheap one's expensive well that's just it and then the setup the rod the yeah you know um but i want to um it's addicting it is so it's so addictive. well we got a lake with rainbow trout uh like not that far from here two of them in fact really yeah you and the water's it? fairly clear and I don't know. So you can buy yourself a depths 250 for probably a hundred bucks online in a rainbow trout pattern. Okay. Get up. We well, need like an eight foot rod to throw it though. See, I got like <laughs> a, I have a flipping stick, you know, that's not going to do it though. I know that's just it. And I just, I just want to go butch Brown on them for like, you know, three, four days or something and learn that. I feel like a trout lake is a lake. I could learn how to mm-hmm. do all kinds of different so, swim bait stuff. That's another thing too is, like we don't have the forage base around here to be like a really good glide bait area either. So I got you. And uh, well, at least where I'm from, the water clarity really kills a glide bait bite too. So sure. it's good in the spring and it's good in the fall for where I live because you have clear water. Gotcha. That water gets really dirty. Yep. And it yep. Re- really kills that. Like I'll f- I'll try it a lot, just play around the summer, and I'll fish it over top of brush piles and rock piles, sink it down, you know, and fish over top. Yep. And I'll get it down to like two foot you know above the surface or a foot above that brush pile and those yep. fish will not come up for it they will not come up do you have do you find the same thing with the chicken or are you able to get those fish to eat a chicken sometimes in that dirtier water well in dirtier water i'm keeping it tighter to the bottom so yeah, that chicken you're able to swim a little bit tighter mm-hmm. gotcha. so i don't have treble hooks hanging there that'll grab anything that it comes by you know sure you can kind of bounce it off stuff and you're not gonna get hung up you know i'll actually pop it along i'll almost fish it like a jig on the, you know the, the chicken sure pull it on the bottom you know pop it up a little bit let it fall pop it up i'll fish it on the bottom and but yeah it's like when the water's dirty they don't want to come up i don't know if it's because they can't see it or i don't know what the deal is but i mean i would assume it's harder to see yeah they're, um, they're quiet baits too you know right i'm making a bunch of racket to attract attention right but if you get a clear body of water like this fall it was i was fishing a lake around home and our lakes get really clear in the fall and it was i was fishing a brush pile in 15 foot of water and I'll sink in my hinkle down like, I don't know, six foot probably. Yeah. And yeah. it just swarms of them would come up to it. Really? Just like 10, 12 at a time would come up. Then one would grab it and the rest would go back down. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's so cool. But there's time and a place for it. And 
tournament fishing, you can die. You right. will you will die. Sure. There was a we just wrapped up serpent and I went home. I had a tournament back home the next weekend. I had a back to back, I had a Saturday Sunday deal. And on Saturday I had the right conditions. I had clearer water, a little bit of a breeze, some sun, and I ended up getting like twenty two or twenty three pounds. I caught six fish all day. They're all glide bait fish. Sure. Sure. I had like twenty two and a half pounds. Wow. And second place at sixteen. Damn. So there's time and a place, but then Sunday, next day, so now I'm all, yay, yeah. glide bait, you know? Yep, yep. Go to the next tournament and just get my teeth kicked in because I couldn't put it down. <laughs> 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 like I weighed like eight pounds and none of them, I didn't catch a single fish on a glide bait. I think everybody can relate with that tournament where you just can't put something down that you that <sighs> you absolutely should. I think even the, the biggest pros, but... My big question is, is with that glide bait, to me, it could be a really like effective practice tool. Yeah. Um, is that something that you, mm-hmm. I mean. I do it a lot use... for Champions Tour even. Gotcha. I think we might have talked about this last time. You sp- well, we have, but I mean, digging a little bit like deeper on that, do you notice like little ones come up? Because mm-hmm. to your point, you said you're only able to like see you see way more fish than you catch, right? Which mm-hmm. to me is a really good practice tool. Yeah. Do them little ones come up to it too, or at least mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, dang. Cause at least like with forward facing sonar, if you get good enough with it, I suppose you could tell if it's a big one that comes up it's, to it, but. It draws fish that you don't even know are there, even with live sonar. Sure. sure. Those fish that are tight to the cover that you can't get that separation, you know, it, like Malax is, for me is notorious and i've ran both brands on malax you know garmin and yeah mega live yeah and a lot of those fish sit really tight to them boulders they do and it's they hard do. to get the separation so a lot of times you don't know if there's fish there or not right or you can see one yep and yep. then you throw a bait or you set the hook on one and it pulls like five or six of them off and then all of a sudden this boulder just comes alive right you know? right, right and a glide bait will do that too like i was using it on malax we went there for the championship but i was using it over shallow reefs Sure. To pull fish. I got you. And it would show me where a lot of because those smallmouth are super curious. Oh, they are. Yeah. They are. <laughs> I was throwing yeah. I was throwing a Molex glide bait. It was a white one, a bright white. So sure. I, did, I knew they could see it, and they yep. would come and follow it. And I had so many follows, and it showed me what reefs had fish and what reefs didn't. And it, I didn't I didn't use those reefs in the tournament though. I ended up not doing that deal. Sure. But and then pelican. I threw it on Pelican in practice for that tournament. Kind of clued me into some good areas there. And I used the bull shad in practice on that tournament. I threw the bull shad a little bit in the tournament on that one. But I pushed out and put it down and just stuck with the B2 and caught him that way. Sure. <laughs> you know, but. I mean, confidence is key. It's, it, is, it is a very good tool to find fish. Sure. But people think it's not like a, like a Senko where you're going to go out and if there's five fish on that dock, you're probably going to catch four of them. Right. Like right. If, or there's a drop shot in that brush pile. There's 10 fish in that brush pile. You're going to catch seven or eight of them. Like sure. if you throw that glide bait with that brush pile, you probably won't even catch one. Right. You'll know they're there, but unless the conditions are right, then you might pull the biggest one out and he might grab it. I got you. So it's, I don't know. It's, it's super addictive. It, it will burn you. It's not the only time I got burnt in that term. I've been burnt quite a bit throwing glide baits, but. Sure. When it goes down, it goes down. Yeah. And it's magical. <laughs> that's, that's what I hear. Um, as we were kind of talking about, you got guys throwing it at, at, Red, at Red Crest. Yeah. 
who'd you all see? I haven't been watching Red Crest crate like crazy anyway. Who, um, who have you seen throwing it? Thrift, stuff? Thrift really was he's not he's winning. I'm pretty sure he's already won. There's no way he could have been beat today. He probably locked it up. But he wasn't really throwing a glide, but like um Elton's Jones Jr. was mixing it in a little bit, but he was throwing a Senko and a, a glide. Sure. Edwin Evers was almost all in on the glide bait the last few days. But you watched him miss yeah. a lot of fish. Like I was watching yesterday, I was thinking he was catching like one out of every five he was seeing. Damn. Yeah. Like he was he was getting frustrated. Or he was, and you lose a lot. Well, I shouldn't say you lose a lot. You get a lot of nippers that nip at it. Yeah. That makes sense. They don't sense. get it. Sure. Sure. But, and then you got, who else was there? Matt Lee was throwing him a lot. He was throwing a depths 175. Um, I can't remember who else was in the top. Dustin Connell. They were throwing a lot of mag drafts. A lot of mag drafts are getting thrown too. But a lot of them were, like today you listen to Adrian Avina. Yep. He was locked the glide bait in his hand all day long. That's all he was going to throw because he was in like ninth or tenth. See, sure. He had nowhere to, nowhere to go but up. Right. And I think it was halfway through the second period he had just caught his first fish. And he was saying in a comment that rang true to me, which is what I've been saying, is he was saying like there for like a half an hour he was pulling a fish on almost every single cast. Like he said he's, he had probably seen 50 fish already follow his glide and he caught one. Wow. <laughs> he was halfway through the derby. So there's How a part do you not pick something else up. Dude? There's a part that they're not showing there too, you know. Sure. They're, they talk about it, but if you watch the live and you listen to these guys talk and you watch them and you watch all the stuff go down, it's a very low percentage deal. But it, you get the right ones, or you know where they live. Yeah. You figure out where they live. That's why I throw it a lot in practice because it'll draw fish in and show you an area, like Malax, for example. People right. want to try it out. If you don't believe me, go to Malax, get on a shallow reef, throw. Throw like a, a Molex glide bait, white. You'll pull smallies in. It's you will. It'll blow your mind how many smallies you'll pull to the boat with that thing and catch them too. I caught quite a few of them too. Sure. But make me want to do that. It just it's just has such a drawing power. It's like musky fishing almost. Yeah. You you raise fish with it because of the size of the bait. Well, I've been musky fishing and and you get more follows than you do bites. Like that's glide bait fishing. It's like Capper used to say, I seen one today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is glide bait fishing, though. You, you you see so many more fish than you actually. Are you running the turret? The turret. The target lock oh, this yeah. year? Mm-hmm. That, was, that to me is just That's the deal. Crazy. That is the deal. It's, Have you played with it? Oh, I had it all most of the season last season. I thought you did. I got it after Vermilion. thought there was a reason you. I thought there was a little extra vegetation hanging <laughs> yeah, off of yeah. your, your setup on serpent yeah. it was it appeared that way so it was nice like on gull so we had that north wind pounding on the lake we did and um so my weed line was north facing so i had the nose are kind of you know 45 into the wind yep but i could take my target lock aim it right at my weed point and i could like by seeing the fish i could just hit the lock and i could just keep firing at them like my, my all trucks do its thing and i can lock on those fish and i can just keep firing at them until they move around and refine them hit lock peel them away and then you move a little bit and that's it's, crazy it's man. gps based so once you lock on to that target you know there's there's a little error just like with anything i think there's a position error like on a, a helix has a position error of three yep. feet you know yep so, i think they do that on purpose so we can't nuke anyone or something like something, <laughs> maybe something like with the latitudes and the longitudes so there's a little bit of play but not much at all like hardly any at all like if you were to lock on like that trash can over there and i'm i'm 60 feet away and i lock onto that trash can 90 percent of the time my trash can is going to stay on my screen 
Can you lock it on like a glide bait? Nope. Okay. No. That was going to be my question is like, can you huck a glide bait out, let it sink, I lock wish. it on, and then that's you probably, don't need to steer it anymore. You just watch your glide That's probably bait the next back. level. <laughs> that's coming. That'll be the yeah, next 2. thing. 2.0. Because like, you know, I said it was GPS based, so it's it's like an Altrex. What the Altrex does is that once you lock in that signal or whatever, how the hell they do it, I have no idea. But once you hit that lock button, yep. and if your boat shifts, it knows it has to adjust so many degrees or whatever to stay where it was and sure because the top of the target lock is actually a gps puck gotcha with the arrow one it's actually a gps puck just like the okay so, so it, it senses how that's just crazy to yeah. me so but what it's it's it's, it's crazy to me that because you think about it like i talked to a lot of people about mega 360 and set up your transducer in the back of the boat like they'll just slap it on uh yeah that 360 looks about straight let's go well, you think about it, if you're fishing a brush pile that's 70, 60 feet out, yeah. and your and you're 360 you think is straight, but it's really a quarter inch to the left, how many feet off are you once you get 70 feet out? Uh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. So how do you line your 360 up properly then? Because you have it on the front of the boat, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What I do is once I get everything rigged up for the season, I'll go out to a lake that has a bridge. Yep. It has a center piling. I got and you. And then I'll... I'll wrap her down or, you know, I'll wrap her down in the channel or wherever. I, I got a channel and it's shallow so I can wrap it down. I got that bridge piling right in front of my boat and I stay quite a ways back. Sure. So as if I were fishing a brush pile or something and then I'll line it up so I know right, right, okay, yep. It's right dead center on my 360. That bridge piling is dead center right in front of my boat. Like yep. I, it makes sense on my screen to what I'm seeing in front of me. I got you. And then I lock it down. I got you. Because it's... You think about it, if you get 70 feet out and you're a half inch off on your shaft, you're going right. to be five, 10 feet off. Totally. When you're 70 and you think you're throwing this brush pile, but really it's five feet, 10 feet over this way. You right, know? right. You got a bunk protractor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then same with, I, I, I spent a lot of time leveling my transducer and stuff in the spring, make sure that's all accurate to get the best pictures I can, you know? So there's a lot of stuff like that. That's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. Because if, if, you're, if your transducer in the back isn't level, you're going to miss stuff, you know? You're going to miss a brush pile. You're going to miss seeing those fish that are sitting next to that big boulder that you would be able to see if you had a clean image, you know? Right. Like stuff like that. Right. Well, clean power and voltage is a big deal, too. Mm -hmm. What do you do to kind of mitigate that? Because there's all this weird stuff out with 16 volt or, you know, 12 volt, like where you can optimize that image. Yeah, I picture. So I start with my batteries. I actually, I never really cared too much about batteries until the last few years where I started to add more and more graphs. And so last year I ran two AGMs parallel, not in series. And like a lot of guys will run one battery just dedicated to the graphs and then one battery dedicated to their sure. starting motor, which I'm not saying one way is right or the other. This is just how I did it. Well, with the way you did it, your alternator is charging both batteries, correct? Yep. Versus just one. Yep. So I ran them in parallel. Made, cre- created one big battery. Yep. And I, yep. Ran, I ran my entire boat off of that. Sure. Sure. And I never had an issue. And I ran, there was one time I ran three days on a single charge, fishing 14 hours a day. Damn. And I still had, like, on the last day, at the end of the day, I still had, like, 11.7 volts or something like that, which is good, you know? Yeah, yeah. I never never had a battery issue last year. But that's why I started the batteries, and I completely replace everything. I don't replace everything in the boat. I bypass it. I don't, I run all my own wires. With Hummingbird, they, they're pretty specific about the wiring what gauge you know what what gauge wire are you running for that i probably go a little overkill nothing wrong with that 
better to over than under. Yeah, I run eight gauge for the live. Yep. And then I run ten gauge for everything else. Sure. And I run every every graph has its own power source. Three sixty has its own power source. Mega Live has its own power source. Home runs for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So that way, if I do have a problem, everything doesn't go down. Right. Just one thing will go down, and I know where to look. It's a big deal. You know. Yeah. And then like a lot of the boats that come out of the factory and they got, you know, off the battery, they go to the perco switch, right? And they go to the perco switch and they have, which is, you know, fine. They have like a six or eight gauge jumper wire that goes from the battery terminal to the perco switch. And then from the perco switch, a lot of these companies go to a fuse block. Mm-hmm. And they, a lot of these companies are running like a 10 gauge wire that goes from the perco switch to the fuse blocks. And that's what all your power runs through. Right, 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 right. And so it's like a, kind of clogs it's like a, it. Yeah, it's a pinch point, you know, it's like, it never made sense to me why all these guys spend all this money on, I don't, I guess I don't know how I shouldn't say if C clear does that. Like they run all this money installing all this stuff and they're running it through this 10 or 12 gauge wire, running all these six graphs, five graphs of this 10, 12 gauge wire. Cause it has to go through that right. to get to the graph. So I, I got all that. I put two to four gauge wire in there and replaced everything with two and four gauge wire to a fuse block. And then I run from that fuse block. Everything has its own power source off of that fuse block. Okay. That's what I do. That. I mean, that's the right way to do it from what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. I don't share, I don't share power with any one thing. Sure. So, and, and I don't know if that helps with the interference or not, but I don't, I don't, no, have, it does. I don't have any interference issues. I have right. nice clean images. And if I do have an interference issue, it's because uh, like I've got a noise filter setting and I can go in there and change settings and clear up that. Sure. That disturbance on my screen. Sure. So uh, when everything's working properly and I got all my stuff figured out for the year, everybody's firing all cylinders like i have crystal clear images i have zero interference everything looks beautiful you know sure sure are you running all helix or all solix actually i've ran helix since they came out but this year i got all i I upgraded all the gen fours this year okay so last the last however many years i've been running helixes you've seen me in the champions tour yep those are ones i've won along the way I sure. just kept adding to the boat. <laughs> yeah, so I had yeah. a lot of Gen 2s and some Gen 3s and kind of this hodgepodge of shit kind of all just made up along the years, you know. And finally this year, it's, I'm getting re- I'm replacing all that and running all Gen 4s. And that'll help so all the software will kind of blend together better. Well, now with all these newer electronics we have, like the Mega right. Lives and the Target Lock, it'll just be more efficient. It'll run better. and For sure. So that'll be – not that I had any issues, but just – when you have that many locators communicating together yeah, and they're all different versions, right? sometimes right. you can get a little hiccup here and there and it does just, it does just be cleaner this way. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. <clears throat> How, I mean, updating your softwares, obviously, is that something that you're pretty adamant about doing? I'm a mm-hmm. big Nazi about software updates. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's amazing how many issues that clears up for people when they call me or something if you're about not, it. I mean, why? It's free. I mean, why not? It's free. It's free. It's all it takes is time. Yeah. Yes, and not that much time. No, you put it on a chip and plug it in. It's and free, it's and they're fixing issues. You know, mm-hmm. why not do it? And a lot of times it'll make it'll make your images better too. Yeah, you spend six grand on the unit. Yeah, you might as well take the free updates. update. Comes out, <laughs> boom! That's the first time I'm doing loading. I'm heading to the lake, kind of seeing what changed, what things look like, resetting all my settings, going through everything again, and yeah, it clears up a lot of like the little, like the things I was just talking about, like the lot of those little tweaks and stuff that kind of like the little bugs that find their way and that that's why i want to want to run all one generation this year instead of gen right. threes gen fours gen twos sure so sure. they can all communicate efficiently together and 
just makes everything better, you know. So I'm excited. I can't wait to start rigging. You like <laughs> rigging boats? Yeah. I shouldn't say I like it. I like to rig my own boat. Yeah. I don't want to rig other people's boats. <laughs> I got you. Because I know how anal I am. Right, right, right. And if I screw something up, I can go back and fix it. But if it's somebody else's boat, like, ooh, I'd feel bad. For but, sure. No, I don't, I don't mind it. I like to do it because I, then that way I know that I did it. I know where everything is. Right. If a problem does arise, I don't have to call anybody. I don't have to take it to a shop. If I'm on the water and something goes down, yep. I know how to fix it or I know how to bypass it to get up and running again. You know where every wire is. Yeah. You know how it's yeah. done. See, that makes sense. I was going to ask you, do you have a, like a way that you organize your waypoints? Like, so, cause that's a process, you know, and that's, I think process. a lot of people struggle with that, you know, myself included, even though I've, I've gotten a lot better at it, but. So I have a lot of waypoints. Yeah, I, I like to draw pictures of waypoints. Me like, too. Me it, too. I want to know everything that I can know. It's We're visual people, yeah, yeah. you know, so you it gives you information. Things. If I can draw out this rock pile has got a 90 degree bend and a small point that comes off here. I'm do, 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 do. Oh, there's a bigger boulder right here. I'll put a different dot there. You know, like I want to see everything. So when I pull up to it, I know right where to pull up. Bingo. It's not as, same a, way. It's not as, as, as important now as it used to be before, like make a 360 and stuff this, like that. That's so true with live and 360 for sure. But I still like to draw, like, kind of give myself an idea. So I, I have like 20,000 waypoints. Yeah, same. <laughs> so it got to be overwhelming, like Minnetonka. Yep. I ended up just, like, now I go to Minnetonka, I don't even load waypoints. I just go fishing and mark dots for that practice, for that tournament. I agree. With you. I'm <laughs> the same way on that lake because it can get oh, just, it can get nuts. Especially for how much the lake has changed over the years. A lot of them waypoints aren't the same anymore. I mean, you, I feel like I don't catch them off old waypoints on Tonka. No. Sometimes, a couple. Yeah, but they... Uh, but they don't ever pan out for me. You think about, like, seven years ago, like... Main lake, the weed line was like, weed line was like sixteen to eighteen foot. Right now it's like twenty five <laughs> yeah, foot deep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's right. like well, if you want to fish a weed edge, that dot's going to be in sixteen foot of water. You put water, you yeah, get a flip. You you're know, you're flipping in the coontail now, bud. Yep, yep. But yeah, so what I end up doing now, what I do is every lake has its own SD card. That's what I do. I got you. So yep. that's a good way to do it. I used to do by. Like pods of lake, like back home, like Cedar Shields was asking to get their own SD card, and Washington, Francis, Madison would have their own SD card, but then that ended up getting to be too cluttered. So I just start dividing them, and now I just, every lake I go to it gets their own SD card, and sure. that's all it is, but that's how I do it. So I do an area like central Minnesota because it's a bunch of little lakes, and I'll be honest, I don't use a ton of waypoints on, but I do, but. It's enough for one card, all of these lakes, because yeah. we don't fish giant tournaments on them. But like Tonka, uh, Vermilion, yeah. uh, those types of lakes, they get their own their own card, or their to. own file, to. so to speak. You run Lorance? Yeah, with Lorance, what's nice is I can, you know, organize, make a file, so I can put multiple lakes on one card, and that's. Yeah. But I when the card pulls up i pick which lake i want to oh import. really yeah see that's nice see hummingbird you plop the card in and just uploads the waypoints but yeah i mean each brand has their advantages and disadvantages and i think uh you know probably a good transition is you know i think it was what june last year we were talking uh mm -hmm. on this and you had just won a boat the year before and now here we are in march march <laughs> uh Attention all smallmouth anglers. Have you thrown the marabou jig? Have you thrown the hair jig? 
Well, if you have, you're going to want to listen right now. This podcast is brought to you by Veselka Fishing and Customs, a custom rod shop based out of Minnesota, and he has developed the answer, folks. What if I told you you could throw that marabou jig 30 to 50% further than you're casting it right now? Well, the well, Dane, Mr. Veselka himself, has developed the answer. It's a custom 8-foot hair jig rod developed on a steelhead fly blank. He's put custom fly guides on this, so you're really going to be able to outcast the competition, catch more smallmouth. They aren't going to see you. What more do you need? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit VeselkaFishing.com. That's V-O-C-E-L-K-A Fishing.com. This is the 8-foot hair jig rod, but this guy can build you anything you want. If you can dream it, he can do it. This episode is brought to you by Just North of Memphis Barbecue. This is world champion barbecue. If you smoke meat and you don't like good barbecue, I do not know what to tell you right now besides you need to try some of this stuff. They've got their rub. They've got their sauces right on their website. They've got their famous dry rub award-winning seasoning that you can put on ribs, brisket, pulled pork, chicken, wings, anything you like to put on the smoker, on the oven, on the grill, any meat you like to cook. You need some of this dry rub seasoning in your life. But don't forget the sauce because that's award-winning world champion sauce here. No matter what flavor you like, they've got three different sauces and they are all good. You can drink them straight out the bottle. We've got Sweet Christie's for all you sweet loving barbecue folk. We've got Christie's Mischief for all you spicy bass anglers out there. And then we've got Christie's Gold and they'll sell all three of them in a combo but you need to go to their website right now it's jnomemphis.com that's jnomemphis.com dry rub sauce barbecue let's go 2023 and it was funny because we had just finished up the river last year and you know you were i don't know you were doing good but uh all of a sudden, like out of nowhere last year, you win the last two events. Uh, you win on Gull Lake, and then you win another boat on Serpent Lake. So how many boats are we at? Because I think we need to, we need, it's, it's significant. Uh, three. Three boats. Okay. I think there's on, there's been only what? Three anglers on the Champions Tour to win boats. Yes. Andy Walls, Matt Peters. And Noah Schultz. Dean Capra won one. Dean Capra won a boat? Okay. That's crazy. Though. Yeah. So th- <laughs> three people have won one boat. You've won three. <laughs> yeah, that is true. so cool, dude. And I think, you know, uh, you've really come on the last, you know, how, however many years here. And uh, it's just cool to see you continuing to have success. Is there, like, pressure that, like, comes with that now? Like, you know what the crazy thing is, is like, I don't know, like you win one, like you want it, like you haven't won one yet. You want one so bad. You want to win one so bad and you do it. And it's like, yes, you know, I did it. Yep. Now I want another one. Right. It's like, I want to win one more now than I ever have probably. Like, and I don't know why that is. Like, I just crave it more and more and more. I want to work harder and harder and harder. Like it's an addiction. 
and I cannot help it. Like it's, I, I want to win so bad. Yeah, I, but yeah, I do feel like there's pressure behind it now. Like I just, especially by my wife, <laughs> she expects it now. <laughs> so, but no, like I want to win one more now. Like I want to win Big Stone. You have no idea how bad I want to win Big Stone. I want to win Big Stone. I want to win Big Stone I, too. Like, I haven't started practicing yet, but that's all I can think about. Like that's all I've been thinking about. Oh. Is I've never been there that time of year. I'm just excited. Just I'm curious as a cucumber, curious as a cat. Part of it is just so I can redeem myself from that shit show and uh, performance on Bass Head Tournament there. That was bad. Hey, man, it happens to all of us. It does. Like, but it does. Those I, I think about the losses more than I think about the wins. We all do. Yeah. We all do. Because you feel you could have done something yeah. different or better. And you could think of maybe one thing, maybe three things. But this is probably my, my greatest blessing and my greatest weakness is that mm-hmm. is um analyzing an event after i'm done and i've there's been a lot of good that's come from that but it's learning when to shut that off and like there's a time to freaking think about the past and then there's a time to move on that just burns me like blackfish last year i mean we did good we got 10th or 9th i think like that we had set no i thought you beat us by a place i don't remember what we got i know we've been in the top 10 we fished it three years i've been in the top 10 every time I've but been in the top ten two out of the three years, but last yeah. like we had, I think I put like a day and a few hours in in the morning for practice, and my partner put a day in, and we had nothing to go to, and that tournament still burns me to this day. He had a milfoil patch, which was phenomenal. It was loaded with three pounders. Sure, that is good then. So that was our base, and then I had some kicker spots to go to, and so we we had that milfoil patch. It was in the middle of nowhere. Nobody's gonna touch it, so we saved it. We went to a couple big fish spots first, caught a four and three quarter. Great, Damn. you know. Yep. We could have used one of those. And we ran, caught like another you know, two and three quarter. Went to his milfoil spot. We loaded the boat. And he got kicked my ass in that milfoil spot. Huh. Drove me crazy. We're flipping in the same holes. Sure. And he's just four to my one. I'm like, what the hell, you know? Anyways, so <clears throat> I run back to where we caught the four and three quarter, and uh, I fire in there, and God, it was shallow. Yeah. I could see her. <sighs> she you could see her. Yeah, I seen her come up. God, I was mad. You lost it or got no, it? No, no, I didn't. I didn't. She just swiped. She didn't get it. God. Well, if you could see her, then you were on some. You were on some cleaner water, shallow fish. Then. Yep. That's cool. Yeah, we were up shallow. It was a dock. Hold on, that's the same. I could, oh, yeah. I could see her in there. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yep. I slid in there and I watched her go down, flash, and. I swear I felt it, and I set the hook, and I could just put just a little bit of load in the rod tip, and it's probably the same size as the first one, you know, four, yeah, four and a half, and would have upgraded a pound and a half, and I think I think we went to one X, I think twenty two one or something, but we would have got second, you know, like, yeah, just stuff yeah. like that. That whole point of the story is like going back to that. That's what I focus on. Right. That's what drives me crazy, you know. Right. Right. I think about the wins a lot, but I think probably more about the losses the missed opportunities and well, you learn more when you don't i mean you learn when you win like okay we everything we did is a winning recipe right you learn a you learn a recipe when you win basically mm-hmm. um or a little decision maker thing that's like you know you get to use for later but i learned so much more on those tournaments that i didn't win like that that gold tournament i took second to you on i mean it was priceless what I learned. That was close. That man. event. Um, 
I just kept thinking that at last, like, 20 minutes, half an hour, I'm just like, he's going to pull up to a little juice hole he's been saving and cork three or four in a row, and it's all going to be over. Dude, and I... I, I think I even said that in the video. Like, you know, he's going to pull up to a spot and catch three or four. You did. <laughs> I, I mean, we'll get into all of it, but I think it was crazy watching the video after. I, I learned a lot about you, actually, in that last 30 minutes, but, I mean, I had felt... I felt very good that whole time like the spot i adjusted to as soon as you took the lead i'm like all right i know where i know where we got to do this i got a deep spot with rock and then i've got a you know with a weed line and then i've got a flipping spot that's 20 yards away from that and then i've got a really good stretch of docks this is the last 40 minutes you know it's gonna happen one of those three ways we're gonna work our way in and i ended up starting on out on the tip you caught like a three something though, didn't you? In the first 10 minutes, I caught a three. I never just catch one there. I always catch at least three of them there. But right as I had caught that three, Figgy pulled in on them docks. I heard about that. And he whacked them. <laughs> and it was just oh, one of those things. I couldn't get another bite out offshore at that point. It was slicked off. It was sunny. It was. That's what made me decide to stay on the docks. Well, right. And it was like my adjustment. It was like. What I learned is, is okay, the weather, you need to play the weather, okay? It's sunny and calm. If I'd have started on them docks and then fished the weed line, I'm not saying I might have beat you, but it would have been. You probably would have. I mean, I watched Figgy. You were just a couple watched, fish away. I watched Figgy catch the fish. I, you know, it was, it was heartbreaking, but it was so awesome looking at the video after the event and watching you in this robust, robotic automatic <laughs> like you're like they say you get in that zone of flow or that zone that you're just in your own world your own universe in. and you had that you were in that zone got, that I've, universe i felt really dialed towards the last couple hours that term i felt really dialed in in that one it was unreal to yeah. watch because i mean i watched you skip on her dock and you were so robotic and automatic with it that the jig hit you in the face the one time <laughs> you're like uh, and you just kept doing it you it didn't even fit like half ounce jig hits you in the face it didn't even phase you and that just from a mental standpoint i learned a lot just going back at that event and i just want you to know dude um you earned it and i have all the respect in the world for you, you know made, you made me work for what it, you though. do well you make me a better angler and i think that's what's cool about you know, the league we fish in and, you know, the people we fish against is, you know, competition makes you better. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then watching you on Serpent with the trolling motor, just, I think you drug probably, you know, Snoop Dogg's <laughs> stash worth of freaking weeds uh, on that trolling motor. Yep. It was kind of half cocked up. Do you have like something you wedge in? Mm -hmm. Yeah bottle or a my flip two flop. by four your flip flop my flip flop you see i did the same thing on goal too no shit if you see me barefoot my troll more is probably like this <laughs> <laughs> i sacrifice I, I buy walmart flip flops just for that reason do you t-bar it yeah like okay so yep. you don't go the long way no t-bone t-bone that and it ruins your flip flop after a few days but that's why i usually carry a few pairs with me okay but, i got yeah. you it's good 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 in shallow water so that way you're not I don't have to mess around raising my trolling motor up. Right. You right. know, and I, I can keep it at an angle so it goes through the grass a little bit better unless it's really, really, really thick. But yeah, it's just something I've been doing that for years. But well, I've seen people do it with a block of wood. I've seen people do it with a, 
like a bottle of Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it's a good idea Mountain too. Dew bottle, but the flip flop thing—that's a new one. Yeah. So, it's just what I have, and I just right, right, throw it in there, and away I go. Now that's crazy, and I know. So you won a couple events like fish and docks. You've won an event offshore, and you've won fish and smallmouth. You've won boats doing all of those things, right? The Bay Lake was Bay a boat. Bay Lake was camping. Malax was a boat. Camping on spot. Malax was shallow. Didn't you win? F- oh, yeah. No, you won three boats. Yeah. I wish I won four. There's good. There's all in good time. But then we had <laughs> serpent was just junk fishing. Yeah, I saw that. It was. There was a lot, there that was offshore a, bite died. I knew that was going to happen. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. That's why in, in practice, the mornings were always good. The first couple hours, those fish would react and you can give them the bite. But the higher that sun got, the tougher it got. And you could just watch them on Mega Live. You could just see their attitude and how it would go from somewhat willing to play just to you could go hours and see hundreds of smallmouth and not catch any of them. So I'm like, I know I had a good largemouth spot. So let's talk about this. How everyone thinks it's a little fish deal, right? Right. Let's talk about this. I think about this all the time, right? Yep. So you yep. look at the Moolah Cup standings, right? Yep. Matt Thompson, obviously. He's going to win everything. Winner, chicken dinner. Yep. And then last year, I didn't even know this until a couple weeks ago. I looked at the Moolah Cup standings. I was second. You were? For the year. I never look at them. That's sweet. Yeah. So all the people that say, are oh, just fishing for little fish, you come to the Champions Tour and fish for little fish and see where it gets you. Well, right. You had Matt Thompson was the angler of the year, Moolah Cup champion. Yep. And then you had one guy win two events, including a boat, the championship, Moolah Cup second. Yeah. So you guys caught the biggest bass all year too. Mm-hmm. The only exception to that rule, and I thought long and hard about this, was Serpent. That was the only exception to the rule. And I made a decision not to fish them smallmouth. Yeah. If it was a five-fish tournament, I would have absolutely died yep. on them smallmouth. Yep. But for that format, yeah, I did tend to chase a little bit smaller fish mm-hmm. just because I knew those smallmouth would shut off. Sure. Otherwise, if, the fun, if them smallies would have bit all day long, I would have never went for largemouth. Sure. But through all the practice, they were acting like that. What are the odds that it's going to be high sun slick, call me up 25 boats in the lake, that they're going to decide to bite all of a sudden? You know? So I'm like, I rolled the dice and assumed that they weren't going to bite, so I didn't even start on them. And I started on largies, but that the Serpent Lake was the only exception to that whole everyone, oh, these guys are just fishing for little fish. I, don't, I think I think somebody should add it up, like go back through the standings. Be curious. Take like a like the top 15 of every tournament, add their biggest five. Right. And see where they would, how it would, I don't think, it would adjust obviously, but I don't think it would adjust like what people think. I think you're probably right. Yeah. And I've, I've gotten off that train and, dude, that Serpent event, I mean, so... Going into goal, I was like somewhere between like 35th and 42nd for points, right? <laughs> so I didn't do any pre-pre-practice on Serpent, nothing. And it was like, goal was like the week before Serpent. Yeah. I, see, I, I actually got lucky, so I had to do a blackfish photo shoot on goal. Okay. Like two and a half weeks before the goal tournament. Sure. So I was up there for three days doing a goal photo shoot. Okay. And yep. after the, the the third day, I got done at about lunch. So then I jogged over to Serpent for that half day, stayed in a little dive motel, and I fished the entire next day on Serpent and then drove home. Smart. So I had a day and a half of pre-practice before 
official practice. Well, and that made sense. And the you know, problem you is... Know what, sorry to cut you off. You know what the funny thing was? Is, is you don't realize how hard these guys work in the Champion Tour. Oh, they work hard. Because we're three weeks out from Serpent or four weeks out from Serpent or yeah. however long it is. And I'm there on like on a Wednesday. Sure. And we're nowhere near tournament time. There's Matt Thompson. There's Kyle Shuda. I'm like, Tony Hat. And I'm like, what the hell are all these guys doing? This is crazy. They want to win. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, man. They know what it takes to win. There's a reason you're out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These guys don't mess around. Well, I, you know, had I been a little bit higher in the standings, I'd have probably been there on that Wednesday too. But I mean, it, I knew I needed a top five on goal to even have a shot at the championship. And I was fortunate to have that. But then we had Big Stone which was the day before Serpent, the day before. Mm -hmm. And I, I ended up taking two practice days on Big Stone, driving from Champs Tour to do that, and that was a mistake. I should have gone to Serpent. That's another thing that doesn't get talked about either. Like Serpent, there's like a whole thing, whole slew of things that happened for me to help me win that tournament. Yeah. And that was part of it. A lot of guys weren't even there practicing because they were at Big Stone. Well, that screwed me, dude, because I'll be honest, I was late. I was two hours late to the whole thing. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. I'm like, I Google Earth the lake. I'm like, okay, there's sand. There's shallow sand. It's a nice, calm morning. I'm going to go throw top water for smallies. I get to these sand spots, and there's cabbage everywhere. Mm -hmm. like, God, I need a buzzbait right now. That's what I caught up on a buzzbait. Yeah, I know, but like, I was, I was already like in panic mode a little bit not like panic panic but i was like oh shit i don't have time to tie on a buzz bait this guy hunter hunter went has x many pounds like i got we need to get offshore so i went offshore and caught some bass but it sucked yeah i just I, was late i didn't plan everything. on throwing a buzz bait during the tournament but the conditions that morning like i pulled to my first largemouth spot and it, it, I, I thought i had the best spot in the lake like it, it was Loaded. insane how many and they're all like two to three pounds largies like I'm like this is gonna be lights out you know yeah yeah but and never there's fish are never on my starting spot ever ever and i get there and me and initials are sharing the spot and uh he catches a three pounder i catch like a two and a half and it's just dead i'm like what the hell so i go to my next spot and it's a flat yep i'm like i see you see the tops of the cabbage like screw it grab it Buzzbait out of the rod locker. Didn't throw a buzzbait at all in practice, but it just looked right. You know? uh, Psh, bombing out there, two and a half pounds smally, two pounds smally. I'm like, uh, hell yeah! So I grab the hair out of the rod locker, the fluff, largemouth, largemouth. No fluff. way! I'm like, what the hell? But I caught like, right? Smally's on a buzzbait, largies on a fluff. Yeah, but that's the part that people didn't see that morning. Is like, I caught a lot of weight on hair and a buzzbait. Like, that's cool. And then I went from that, I transitioned from that into fishing uh, for deep smallies. Yep. Just to check a few places. Did you catch any? No. Yeah. I can no, I, 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 could, bite. I, went I up, could see them. I went to my what I thought was my best spot, and I went out there. Nobody was on it. And I, there was like 15 of them in this big school sitting on like three or four boulders. You know, I'm like, yes. Right. Grab the A-rig, five, six of them fall out, nothing. Grab the drop shot, nothing. Grab the net rig, they all, whoosh, nothing. I'm like, I'm out. I'm not fishing for another smallmouth the rest of the day. You yeah, know? yeah. And I go from there, go to a deep weed line, crack, crack a little school quick with a target lock, crack a little school there, and then 
go from that, and I decided to go shallow. Well, it got sunny and slick yeah. early in that day. Yeah, and that's when that sun got high. I just like, then I started beating the bank, and every time I went shallow, I'd get a bite and get some flipping paths, catch them on a dock, and the next thing you know, I'm like, screw it. Let's just go junk fish. And that's what I did all day, junk fished all day. Well, you kind of let the fish tell you to do that, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I hate the saying, but I was like, we just got to keep it honest, you know, like, I get so, so, so used, but that's literally what I did. So I checked every pattern that I thought, like justified in my mind would be a good pattern. I checked every single one of them. Some of them I rechecked and the ones that I, you know, and I just kept building confidence in certain patterns. And those are the ones that I rolled with. And yeah, it was nothing. I, I shouldn't say nothing, but I ended up winning the tournament on stuff. I never even fished in practice. Sure. You know, like, but it fit the pattern. It fit the day and the pattern. Right. Yeah. And see, goal was kind of that aha moment for me with having that, you know, I called it staying positive, testing negative, but <laughs> that was awesome. um, keeping them honest, right? So going into goal, I, I mean, deep, shallow, mid-range, I had three pretty good patterns that I had a lot of confidence in. And I mean... I caught all my fish offshore besides a couple, but I started on docks the second half, even though I caught most did, of my huh? fish offshore. In did the you first get them? Half. No, but it was cloudier at the beginning of the second half. It was. And that was like looking back on that event. I like, it's like learning from, it was, I did. It was cloudy and I would have done a lot of things different because when I finally moved offshore, you know, it, a light bulb kind of stuck for me. But it wasn't hot and heavy, as you know. No. And then that, it got really cloudy, and I picked that crankbait up, and it was like, rah, rah, yeah, rah, I know. Rah. And then it got sunny, and then I caught a few more offshore. But the docks didn't go at the beginning of that half for me. Well, they didn't go too hot and heavy for anybody. I don't think at the beginning of the half. And that was my best stretch of docks that I started on. And like hindsight, I probably should have gone back and hit that stretch again when it got sunnier. Um. But I shared it with the guys, so I didn't know how long he had been beating on him. But obviously, that didn't matter. Knowing, nice. like, knowing how close you could, you were to other guys, that didn't matter. <laughs> you heard that story, right? Yeah, yeah. The doc, oh, I mean, doc, you're catching them on. Bankson was catching them on that. Caught like probably a fish on that dock. You know, three guys probably caught a fish on that. Dock. I waited for Bankson to get done fishing it. I, <laughs> I pulled up and he was fishing. I ran to that specific dock and he was fishing it. I'm like, shit. I'm like, well, it looked like he was about done. So I'm just sitting there, and I, I don't know I'm not, if, I, if I pissed you off. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But I was just kind of sitting there. You know, my motor's idle. I'm just kind of sitting yeah. in the seat like this. And he's like, yeah? I'm like, I'm just waiting, dude. I just want to fish that dock. You know? Yeah. He's like, okay. I'm like, you almost done? He's like, yeah. Let's make a couple more flips. And I'm going to go on. I'm like, okay, cool. You mind if I pull him right behind you and fish it? He's like, no, go ahead. I'm like, cool. I slide in there. He goes to the next one. He catches like a two and a half pounder. I flip in, catch a two and a half pounder up the dock. He just left. And I roll around to the backside, catch another two-pounder. Sure. But it's just, yeah. But they were reloading, and I knew that. I figured that out in the tournament. That's, that was the key. That was the key. I mean, there's, they, like, to think that you hit the dock, the lift, the other side of the lift, and you're done, like, there's a lot, there was a lot more bass swimming around mm -hmm. there than just once under the dock, once yeah. under the lift, once under the other side of the lift. And you could probably do that five times or you, you probably could have sat on a dock and just kept making there was there were some certain cats. docks that were better than others but for so sure I, I started off short in the second half 
I got you. My primary thing was offshore. I spent like a half That's day. That's what I wanted to do. I spent like a half day practicing docks on goal. And uh, in the morning, I was fishing offshore. Did, I was doing pretty good, you know. Yeah, I was doing yeah okay. you had a good morning. But then every spot I went to was just dud, 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 dud. And I'm like, I'm fishing this weed line where I had a bunch of fish on this weed line. And I'm not getting bit. I'm like, told my boat marshal, I'm like, screw it. We got to slide in and fish these docks. Yeah. Just to see if they slid and pulled in. I, I didn't fish these docks for practice. Half? First You're half. Talking? Yep. yep. So I start running the stretch of docks of like ten docks, and I catch like a three two and a two twelve and like a like a three fifteen or something Damn. like that. I'm like, yep. Okay. Light bulb goes off. I got another little area. I think we should check quick. You know. Yep. Right inside of a good weed line I had. Run over there. Slide in. I don't catch big ones, but I catch like seven or eight. Yep. And they're yep. all scoreable. So I'm like, right. Right. All right, well, this, this, now I'm starting to think about the second half now as I'm fishing the first half still. I have three big schools in the second half offshore. Yep. I'm like, all right, well, we're going to go to the best school first. Run to the best school in the second half. We ease off. First cast, boom, catch one. I'm like, yes, they're here. Right. And I proceed. I'm sharing it with Holland. And I proceed to go like another 20 minutes without a bite. You're by. I That's probably haven't got out there yet. Probably not. I probably bailed before you got out of there. Yeah. And I'm watching him. He's not catching anything. Tony Hatton's a couple hundred yards down. He's not catching anything. I'm like, okay, they're not here. I just caught a pile of fish in the morning on the docks. Screw it. Let's run to some docks, you know. And yeah, yeah. Grab a stretch. I did practice the stretch in practice. And I make a pass on what I thought was the best stretch, and I didn't catch shit. You know, I caught a couple. And I'm like, well, let's just keep going, you know. Yep, yep. So I just keep going and going and going. All of a sudden, I start hitting a couple, like two and a half, two and a half. So you can hear me talking about it in the video. Yep. Like, we're not getting many bites, but, you know, it's keeping us in the hunt. I'm trying to think about all this when it's going on. I'm just getting ready to give up on this dock pattern. You're talking about, like, the weather changing a little bit, you know. Yep. And it's cloudy. I'm talking to them, and I'm talking to my boat marshal. I'm like, I think we need to go offshore, you know. Yep. An, I, can, I can get, like, fifth doing this, you know, but I can't win. Like, we need to go offshore, but we're going to fish these next 10 docks quick. And I'm fishing, 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 and I'm, the sun's starting to get bright. And it's getting right. brighter. It's getting yep. brighter. I'm like, you know what? Let's just rerun all these docks we just fished. Because we caught some decent fish. Let's rerun them all. And that second pass through, it's like a whole wave pulled in. And it's like boom, 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 boom. Screw it. Let's run through them again. Yeah. Ran through them again. Boom, boom, boom. They just kept coming in and coming in and coming in. I'm like, well, that's what we're going to do all day, I guess. You right. Because I could catch like three, boom, 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 and then there'd be a lull. But like in the morning... I went south and I'm like, there's no way we're going to get our starting spot. I knew I had a school like that. No one had found it was on a pretty, it was a pretty sneaky little school, but I, the, my bigger school I want like was on a spot that yeah, was, I saw people practicing and I, like, I practiced. I didn't catch shit there. Oh dude, there's a pile of them. I know and you caught them on tournament. Day. I had a little deal <laughs> that I figured out how I can make those offshore fish bite. And it was not the, my standard offshore program. Uh, and I'm not going to get into that, but it's funny. After that spot had died, I went to a, my best dock. On this, I'm like, there's multiple good fish on this dock. And I only caught one. I go, that's weird. So I ran some more docks in the morning. This is probably about 8.30, 9 o'clock. And nothing. Like on a good stretch. I'm like, well, shit. Then I sat on that sneaky school the rest of the time, and I caught them pretty good. Then the second half, I shared that dock stretch with Sickinator in the morning, and neither of us really caught them. So I'm like, okay, let's get the offshore deal going. And I ended up sitting in one area offshore where I caught all of my fish. 
in the second half. I seen where you were sitting. And that tainted me a little bit. I think going to the docks was a tough adjustment after I'd led the tournament all day getting, you know, there's 20-minute lulls, but then you catch three of them or and that's, four of them. That's the hardest thing to do in a tournament is, like. If you're leading, you're okay with those lulls. That's what I learned. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I've never led in that format before. So it was hard. Like, that was like an aha moment for me is if you're leading, it's easy to have lulls mm-hmm. or easier. You can be okay with lulls if you catch three and are still leading. But then you got people all of a sudden, you're getting their last two hours. They're a pound behind you. They're a pound ahead of you. And you're like, and you're in a lull. It's like, shit. That last two hours of that event was that. Do you stay or do you go? Like, that's what makes it hard. Like, I remember, it's like Bay Lake. Like, I just ran the clock out. You did. Like, it was just like, please do not let Matt Thompson catch one. So if he catches one, I'm done. Right. I got nothing else to go to. I don't know where else to go. I'm done. If he catches one, his average fish is like two and a half pounds, and he's two pounds behind me, you know? I'm like, I just got to run this clock out. I just got to catch a couple more one-pounders, you know? And that's right. what I did. And somehow he did not catch one. Serpent Lake, I feel like I ran the clock out on Serpent Lake, too. Yeah. It's like the last 25 minutes, I didn't catch a fish. Maybe Man. 20 minutes, I didn't catch a fish. I'm just, like, trying to run the clock out, like, that's how I felt like I was trying to do on Gull, but like, didn't. My pattern's dead. I've ran everything I could. Everything's dying. Everything's dead. Like, at this point, I just got to catch a pound and a half for and hope he doesn't catch one. Right. And he did, but it come unbuttoned. <laughs> like, <sighs> Right. Sometimes I feel like it gets, I don't want to call it luck, you know, but not luck on my part, like what I did, but lucky that, like, Hunter, when he loaded up on that fish, would come off. Because I only beat him by a pound and a half. Right. The thing I've noticed about you winning, and I don't know how Bay Lake is, but um, for, I mean, two of the boats you've won and Gull, it's you're heating up <laughs> when other people are cooling down. Yeah, that helps You know what too. I mean? Yeah, it helps Like, a lot. towards the end of the day. On That's when I really start picking up steam. Yeah, you're picking it up, and everybody else is like, trying to run the clock out on you yeah right and to me that that's that's the difference between me and hunter and you like from my perspective hunter i mean had it and go i feel like i had it it was just a matter of i couldn't keep the steam rolling i had burnt the steam up at 230 or three hunter burned the steam up at whatever time and and you kept the steam your so steam I was, builds. I was starting slow. Yep. Like, it's getting better and better and better and better. Because I'm building on what I'm learning as the day is going on. Right. And I'm right. starting to develop patterns and I'm starting to run them. And, and that, I think, is what makes you special as an angler. And I think, you know, why so many of us look up to you. And I think that's why a lot, it's, it's a big reason why I think you've done what you've done. It's a mental sport. It is, yeah. And it's a crazy sport that way. I love but it. But like. <laughs> Weather, decision-making, lure, you know. I mean, there's so many facets to it, and there's, there's a lot so of ways many, to skin the cat. So many. Very, it can be won so many different ways. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I like, mean, gull's a pr- gull, you can win 10 different ways. I mean. Like serpent. Like serpent, I felt like I could have. It was a wild card. But I, like, serpent, like I felt like I had three patterns that legitimately could have won the tournament. Sure. You know? And this, which one was it going to be? You don't know until the day of, you know. And right. And you've got to try to experiment and figure that stuff out during the tournament, but not waste too much time. Right. And try to 
like uh, pattern A might be good in the afternoon, but if you try it in the morning, you write it off, and it th- turns on in the afternoon, you're late to the game. Right. Like, it's like it's so mental. It is such a mental game. Well, and I was talking to Seth last week, and, you know, he talks about Lake Minnetonka, how pros, a lot of the pros have come from Lake Minnetonka, your Felix, your fighters, your Moinas, you know? And I don't think, I mean, that lake is a prime example of right place, right time. Like, there's so many spots on Lake Minnetonka that are so good for a half hour to an hour (laughs) out of this given day of the week because of these things, because of that wind, because of that weather, because of that whatever. My my thoughts on Minnetonka. What do you... Tell me if I'm wrong, but I just feel like Minnetonka is more like a like a spot lake. You think so? I think it's kind of like a spot lake. I disagree. Really? 100% disagree. I think... I, well, I, no, I don't 100% disagree, but I 70% disagree because... Well, I shouldn't say that because I think you've had some success off of Tonka fishing a little bit differently than maybe... Other people have had success on Tonka, like two spots fire. Now, granted, I for me, typically Tonka is two to three spots fire when I do good on Tonka, but I fish 10. You know what I mean? Versus I think the success you've had on Tonka is how many spots do you fish versus how many of those spots fire. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I, the reason why I say Minnetonka is a spot like because probably how I fish it. Sure. I will milk a spot. Yeah. I'm in a Tonka. You'll fish two spots a day? Yeah. If I go to a spot, I start on a spot and I get like a four. Yep. I'm not scared to sit there for four or five hours. I think that's wonderful. But that's probably why I think it's a spot lake. Well, it's funny because I fish other lakes that way. Like that is, I mean, camping out and fishing an area and intimately getting to know an area is how I fish a lot of lakes, but not Minnetonka for some reason. That's crazy. Which, and you're the only person who's made me think about, like, I need to do that. A good spot is a good spot. You're right. You're right. And they live there and they Mm -hmm. live in that area, but they just don't like to bite very much. So you got to be super tedious with them and Mm -hmm. super tedious with that spot. We did that uh, for team trail this year. I mean, I had three, Dane and I, each of us had two like really good areas we felt good about, but the weather was post-frontal, sunny, <laughs> calm. The worst weather for the offshore deal we wanted to do for those groups of fish we had found, and we sucked. And it was like one of those days where if you went to the dirty dirt and you junk fished, those guys had you know 15 to 18 pounds. But, I mean, we had like 13th place with like – 11 oh. or 12 pounds and i'm talking cappers fishing raveling was i heard fishing. that was a like, really bad one it was <laughs> I heard it was really bad ugly and i i mean we had a decent i had a better practice for that event than the blackfish really and we had better finish in the blackfish in that event but Quite weather horrible. plays a big i so, think weather plays a big deal with those fish who, that get a lot of pressure i i said it could so you are cool with the hover rig coming yeah out? yeah we'll talk about the hover rig okay yeah. so this hover rig, I watched a Matt Stefan video that, on a new head that came out. That's why I'm cool with talking about it. Yep. Because he's really blasting it out there. He is. He is. He's fighter flying that shit. Mm-hmm. Yep. I bought a bunch of them and they got mailed. 
last week's i should have and this week hopefully i almost bought a bunch i mean it's at certain places i think it could be really good you want if you want to play with it, have you tried it yet i haven't okay well, i haven't have you have you messed with it with oh, the like mm-hmm. with yeah. the nail weight and stuff you're so i actually bought i bought hooks over you know overseas through japan and then i bought them hmm, before the river last year i bought a bunch of them from japan uh, i can't remember what kind of they were called the, like hover shot hooks yep yep uh, it's like is it ryugi no yeah yeah is i think it is, it is. yeah it's it is. ryugi you can only get them overseas right now ryugi so the, the downside i have with them the whole hover rig in general which i think matt did a great job solving the problem seemed yeah i haven't used it yet but like he i think he hit the nail on the fucking head you use a lot of baits Yes, so I, do, I use it a lot in Vermilion, and oh my God, do they eat it. <laughs> like, it is incredible sure. how well they eat this thing. But man, that I go through baits, and man, that I go through sinkers. and So then I was trying to come up my own way to keep the bait on the hook. And Ryugi has, you know, a barb to keep it on there and all that, but it's it still sucks. just a hook shank. Yeah, and it sucks. And you catch a smallmouth, and they shake, and woof, there goes your worm, or it gets tore up, and it doesn't want to stay on there anymore. So I was putting O-rings over the bait where the hook would 90 at and trying that helped a little bit and but yeah i think i bought a bunch of them i spent like 70 bucks on his hooks so yeah they all come Sounds not yet like, no okay but i like that he used a bigger hook right and i like that he integrated the actual weight onto the hook the design is yeah. awesome i think it's going to be spot on yeah i haven't used him yet we'll see what kind of quality hook he's got actually got on it but well bankston showed me that video and he's just gone about it but i think they're like I fish a tube a lot. You know, a tube is something I love to it's fish. It's just a finessier. It's got the same action. Like that follow is similar to a tube. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, yeah, that is going to work. I was yeah. practicing for, uh, on Vermilion with it. And I threw it a little bit in the tournament. I think I just didn't have any luck with it on the tournament. But in practice, I'm like, man, <laughs> they were they were down in their throats. Sure. Like they were just, just crushing it. And oh, my Flatworm God. Or? Yeah, flatworm. Yeah. yeah. I played with some other worms with it for largies and stuff like that, too. But. I see it more as a smallmouth deal, but now with Matt's hook, a little bit bigger hook, mm-hmm. a little bit more of a weight, you can probably transition into Senkos and stuff like that. Right. So maybe some beaver baits and stuff like that, and maybe you know, play around with largemouth. Because what he fishes a lot of largemouth with it. Because a jig worm, you can get a jig worm to spiral like that, but I don't know if you can get a jig worm to dart like that when you're, know. once it hits the bottom. Like a jig worm, a 330 second ounce head, you get the right head, and a Senko, you can get that jig worm to spiral down, but I don't think it has the same pull up and yeah. dart action, so to speak. It's it's different. It's it's hard to cast too. Gotcha. It's really hard it's to light. cast. Yeah. Yeah. But you need that Vasilka hair rod for that. I know. I know. I, I I like the hover rig. I actually used it quite a bit last year, and I'm glad somebody finally solved the problem with it because I think it's going to be. A legitimate rig for the future. I think it's going to be, you know, like a mainstay, like a Nico and a. Yep. Might not be as powerful as a Nico and a drop shot and a jig worm, but. Seems like it would hang up in the grass a little bit more. But that might be good. It's hey, <laughs> a reason we get a crankbait hung up in the grass that or might something be good. hung up in the grass. Yeah. I think it'll be. I think it's. I think it'll become a staple of my fishing. I guess I can't say for sure. I've only strictly fished smallmouth with it. I have played a little bit with largemouth. But like I said, going back again to my my home lakes are really really dirty, so t- typically like a net rig and really small small bits like that don't do super well. Right, right. But now with Matt's new hook coming out, and if you, I mean if everyone wants to try it, it's coretackle.com. 
Yep. Yep. Like, it's him and um, Johnny Schultz from in a or fish the moment. Yep. Yep. They started this company. It seems legit. I think he solved all the problems with the hover rig. I mean, it seems like you don't go through anything for baits, and it's kind of like a it's power finesse because it's it's got a little bit of errat- erraticness to it, mm-hmm. um, or dartiness to it that I think generates it, a different bite than say just like a Ned rig sitting yeah. there. His but video, yeah. his video does a really good job showing what what it looks like falling down. Right, like and it, it's a gliding, falling erratic motion like a never gets just bloop to the bottom right. you know well they'll catch like the hover rig was originally designed with like a minnow bait for like suspended bass right i think so yeah like like so you can almost from what i understand anyway like hair jigs you could tow I thought them. it was yeah you could tow them behind the boat well, i thought it was meant to cast out and click and let it pendulum back wasn't it's it? kind of a pendulum bait yeah yep, that yeah. way for forward-facing sonar and japanese type deal yeah. right but Anyway, I'm excited to try them. I'm gonna, me I'm gonna, too. like, it might when I first come across it. I can't, I not remember where I seen it. It had to be on YouTube. I seen it somewhere on YouTube, and I instantly went online and bought some of the hooks. And yeah. I, the first thing that popped in my mind was smallies. You yeah. know, because yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how small those Ryogi hooks were. Like they were like trout hooks. Right. <laughs> they were so you couldn't put anything bigger than a flatworm on them, you know. Right. So you got <laughs> catching like eight pounders on a five pound line. Yeah. Shit. So but yeah. But now he's come out with a bigger hook with the weight built and I'm I'm excited. I'm gonna try some I'm gonna try some Senkos and stuff on it and kinda see how it goes and maybe some smaller creature baits and stuff. I think it'd be pretty cool. I always I love to experiment with new baits. Well speaking of new baits that I forget Seth and I could not remember this guy's name last weekend that new japanese guy who's oh my god that you i know what you're talking about you ever shake the dice the the square thing yeah, the square I t- thing i sent a screenshot to my buddy i'm like i'm buying like all these i said yeah <laughs> we were buying these little pieces of shit before these little pieces of poop shaped things now we're buying dice my buddy texts back he's like looks like something we have a, a friend named duh back home we call him duh call him duh He's like, okay. it looks like something dull would sink in the lake for some structure. <laughs> <laughs> like those PVC things, yeah, you know, that's what right, it looks like. Right. Oh, God. Those Bill Dance feeder things. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But that thing, I mean, he's catching them on that. I know. That's crazy that it just goes you to show maybe we overthink this whole bass fishing thing. I don't know. Overthink it enough to buy some dice with hair on it. Yeah. I'll be buying some once they come to the market. I think right? it's a prototype still, isn't it? Uh,. I saw like the hookup tackle had them. Oh, really? But they're sold out. Mm. So someone's selling them. Well, if it makes the cover of that, or, you know, it makes not the cover, but if it makes it on the Bassmaster website, you can pretty well guarantee it's going to be sold out wherever it is. That's a fact. That's a fact. I, I love, I love trying new baits. I, I bought some new baits the other day. Then, uh, I don't know. I'm excited to try them. They look really, they're really off the wall. But that can be really good. We'll see. I, I think it's going to be a big fish bait. But well, I mean, it could be absolutely not. I buy a lot of stuff and it just ends up being garbage and it just sits in my garage and I don't ever touch it again. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you got to try it. Like, like, like the, the chicken we were talking earlier. Yep. Like, I feel I got on that, that bite early. Right. Before it was even talked about around here. Yep. And I was throwing the hog farmer stand up hair jig, it's called. Yep. And I've, I've been fishing that. Up until Outcast come up with theirs, I was fishing that for six years, maybe. That's crazy. Before Outcast come out with the chicken, seven years before Outcast come out with the chicken. Sure, sure. My biggest bass I've ever caught in my life come on it in Minnesota. Yep. I yep. kept that thing a secret for 
you Schrader was pissed at me. You know, one day we went out, <laughs> we went out to our local lake and we're catching fish on a jerk bait. You know, it's, the water's clear and cold. And I'm like, ah, screw it. I'm gonna pull out the rod locker. He's like, what the hell is that thing? I'm like, don't worry about it. You know, pull up to a rock pile, just one after another, four and a half, just boom, just boom. wailing on him. What? The? He's like, give me that goddamn thing. Well, that makes me think of when I was talking to Moina, and he talked about any time he had an elevation in his career. And I've said this before, but... He got on a trend. He got on something before everyone else Mm -hmm. was on it. And I think when you talk about you're always looking for something different, Mm -hmm. you got some weird-looking stuff, like, that's that hunger in you, you know, searching for that next thing. And I'm that way, too, and we're wrong probably eight times out of but when you find that thing it's yep. and you have it in your hand and you're fishing and you you have this confidence or this swagger to what you're doing that you know no one else is doing yep. it i want to you lot know of, they're going to eat it i want a lot of money off that thing before anybody even knew there's only a few things for me that have what been it that was. way um, one thing we talked about earlier we're talking about that thing that you don't talk about either yeah so i i God, sorry i told you like 12 years ago i started fishing with yep, that yep and i won i have won so much money on that and still to this day people don't know what it is but there's a handful of people that know because i've kind of become a little careless and man whatever over i'll leave it on my deck you know and stuff like that but for probably the first six seven years like then say a word it wouldn't come out of my boat until I was to my spot, and it would go away before I went to the landing. Put them in your gun safe type of mm-hmm. deal, like you kept them next to the old yep. 12 gauge. We got outed though. Locked. We got outed in a tournament. Me and my buddy. Outed? Yeah, we got. Well, yeah, we like. I guess we did got outed. Yeah, we are not saying. Well, people knew we had fishing something, but nobody could figure out what it was. And there was a guy from the road watching us. We were on a school of fish in a tournament. We were just blasting them, throwing this. Yep. And he had binoculars out. And he'd come to the land. I, I don't know what it was, but this is what it looked like. And he's telling everyone at the landing, it's like, what the hell, dude? Why, why would you say that, you know? <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, so, I mean, that's crazy to me getting out of the only, like, story I know. So the guy who taught me how to, you know, really who taught me a lot about fishing is Doug Petrack. And he moved to Kentucky um to be a guide on kentucky lake and he's still a guide on kentucky lake well he joined a bass club down there and you know to all them he's a yankee right (laughs) so he moved to the south so he's a yankee but he moved there so they call him a damn yankee because he hadn't left yet type of thing so he was this (laughs) minnesota boy and you know he fished fished very similar to you in fact um just very methodical fisherman that way and you know, he won a tournament on black and blue jig down there with like 24, 25 pounds, a league night in like three hours. And then he won like a couple more. And this is the closest thing I can think of that story because they accused him of cheating. Like, they're like, you ain't from around here. We don't know what the hell you're doing, but we don't like it. You're cheating, boy. <laughs> God dang it. So he took the guy out who was accusing him of cheating, showed him the spot, showed him the jig whacked a big one this is what i'm catching him like will you keep your lynch mob off me now like (laughs) ah dang it right but that's crazy like so you had you had something that you know we don't need to talk about that was a dominant Mm -hmm. a dominant thing it still is a dominant thing still is 
but so dominant that you guys got kicked out of fishing league. We didn't get kicked out, but somebody okay. called us out on what we were using. So, well, they didn't. It wasn't a bad thing. It's people always wondered, and then he said, "I think I know what it is. I seen it, and this is what it looks like." So everyone's like, "Oh my god, you know, what is it?" You know, like and they're like, "You can't fish anymore." No, 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 no. I didn't get like. I mean, outed like they called us out. Like, I got you. I got you. That's my what bad. I. That's what I meant. Yep. Yep. But yeah. Well, I I had heard like that. There's people that don't like you showing up no more. Like, isn't there one league that like they don't like you showing up no more? Well, there's there's a couple leagues back home where I got blacklisted, but I'm not the only one either. There's a few of us down home that got blacklisted from. There was a couple leagues that were started because there was a handful of us that would win every our cash every check you know gotcha so there's some guys that got together and created their own league and some other couple there's another little club that you know i've tried getting in a few times they won't let me in which it's fine you know whatever yep i think you take it as a compliment i guess you know big time but all like all the, the bigger circuits like they invite me all the time hey let's go fish you know right. i'm like absolutely right let's do this you know like i got guys that throw together a 10 15 boat tournament we're fishing for some good money like 1500 yep. quick, a quick hey it's Friday morning, what do you guys think about tomorrow? We'll meet here. 100 bucks a boat. Right. Yeah, cool. You know, and they still invite me. I so, would invite you. You know? And Competition we all, makes people better. I'll show up. And, but there's a, there's a couple that just, it is what it is, you know? And it used to kind of suck because we didn't have that many options to fish tournaments back home. But now there's every every weekend there's a tournament somewhere. Something. And you show up and you hop in. And, yep. But, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie The Interview? It's with uh, Seth Rogen and James Franco. They go to North Korea and interview Kim Jong-un. I think I have, but I don't remember. They have a saying in that movie. It's called, they hate us because they ain't us. (laughs) Hmm. And yeah, you just made me think of that. You know, they just, it's just jealousy, dude. I got a lot of good friends back home that, well, all 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 the ones I want to fish, I get the fish. That's know? good. And they even like there's some there's some places where they don't have to invite me, but they do, you know. Like, right. And I appreciate that. And you know, we're not bad mouthing anyone here. It's a good compliment. At the end of the day, you've got people that want to fish maybe something less competitive at the yeah. end of the day. I'm not one of those people, so I don't get it, but There's know. there's no there's no like like I said, it's not just me. There's been a handful of us that like this can't fish a certain league because they got they created their league because they're sick of seeing the same people win, you know. I would just call that like graduating, you know, <laughs> yeah. it just means you, gra- like, <laughs> means I, you graduated. I, I think I, 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 I will call out Duh, though, if he's listening, my buddy, Duh. we're great friends. Sure. Like, we fish a couple tournaments here together, guys. He's a blast. Even if we, even if we get our asses kicked, it's probably the funnest day I have of the year fishing and was fishing with Duh. There's a reason why we call him Duh. You could well imagine this character by his name. Well, know? his name's Duh. I How think, do you get that name? Yeah. Is he kind of... This is stupid shit he says. Gotcha. It just... <laughs> like, uh, obvious shit where you're like, duh. No, this... Okay. More like, duh. He's the funniest guy you'd ever meet in your Love life. Love it. But uh, he, he started a league, and I heard that he made a rule once that I was not allowed to sub for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? That'd be the rule in my league. I mean, you either pay for the full thing mm-hmm. and drive two hours every time... Or you don't fish, Noah Schultz. Yeah, I I heard that. I had a buddy tell me because he was looking for a sub, and they were talking about the meeting, and he made a rule that you can have any subs you want, but you can't have Noah Schultz sub for you. That's flattering. (laughs) That's flattering. I don't know if he's joking because that's just the kind of person he is, but who knows? He's he's good shit. He's one of my best friends. My wife calls him um, her spirit husband. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Well, that then you gotta throw like a 
like a Native American twist on it, like sitting duh. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> sitting duh. I remember we fished a tournament uh, two years ago together. Yeah, it was two years ago. And it's called the Sons of Anarchy. No, not Anarchy. Sons of American Legion. I always screw up the name. It's a big tournament back home. It's 50 boats. It's a biker bass club. It sounds like a biker bass club. I probably butchered it if I didn't. Sorry. Guys fishing leather jackets? Jesus. I think it's Sons of uh, American Legion or something. I can't remember exactly what it's called. It used to be called the Jigabass. Sons of Silence? I heard that's a biker (laughs) game. It's a 50 boat tournament. (laughs) Okay. It's a big tournament around home. Sure. And uh, we we started fishing together and... He's a big booze hound, loves to drink, loves sure. to party. And uh, we sign up together. And the morning of the tournament, it's like, we're supposed to ease off at like 7. It's 6.30. I'm like, where the hell is duh? You know? Everyone's like, yeah, he was pretty tuned up last <laughs> night. You know? I don't know. I'm like, all right. So I call him. He's like, yo, I'm on my way. You know, I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm like, oh, you better hurry up. We're about to ease off, dude. You know? Right, right. Pulls up like 10 minutes. Like, what the hell? You bet yourself. Well, I got plenty of time. You know? <laughs> well, whatever. And we get in the boat, we go to our first spot, and we get there, and I fire out there. I'm throwing a drop shot or something, you know, hook a four-pounder. And forgot the net in the truck, you know? Oh, that's the worst. I'm like, whatever. I'm like, I'm like, we're already fishing. We'll just, you know, I hook a four-pounder. And he's like, he's like, want me to get it? I'm like, yeah. He's fumbling around and fumbling around and fumbling around with this fish in the side of the boat. I'm like, are you still drunk, dude? What the <laughs> hell are you doing? Are you going to land this fish? Oh, if you could get it closer to the boat, he's yelling at me and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, dude, I'm like, what? Okay, whatever, you know. I'm just going to bolt flip from now on. Let's go to the next spot. <laughs> Drop I, shot bolt. I grab my jig rod. Yep. Go to the next spot, fire out there. And I can see one on the 360. All of a sudden, boom, thumbs, set the hook. He's like, you got it? I'm like, yeah. He's like, it's big. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'll get it. I'll get it. And he bends down and get it. And I see how big this fish is. And I'm like, screw this. I bolt flip it right over top of him. There's a six and a half pounder. He's like, we are getting the fucking net. You're never doing that again. I said, I couldn't trust you. You're still drunk from last night, I said. Over the rubber rail, over the duh, six pounder? Six and a half. Damn. Six and a half. Whew. One big bass. That's like, a big bastard. He's like, you dumb son of a bitch. What the hell were you thinking? I said, I can't trust you with it. I said, I'll take my chances with oh, both flipping. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's been a joke forever. Forgot the net, almost forgot duh. Oh, my God. So after that, he's like, we're going to get the net. I'm like, okay, next spot after we fish, we'll go, we'll grab the net. We're got the net. I mean, that did the rest of the fish, but that was just hilarious. The guy is, you can't explain him. He's so much fun to be around. Sure. But, yeah. You've known him for a while then? Yeah, I've known him since I started fishing tournaments. He, I don't know, 15 years probably. Okay. He was always a competitor. We always sure. fished against him, you know, and then over the years, we just. Started gradually fishing with each other, and now we just started. We, we fished one tournament a year together, maybe two tournaments a year. We'll kind of, it's, it's more of a fun thing, you know. But yeah, he's good shit, good guy. Sure. Yeah. Well, we'll leave his real name out of it. Yeah. Yeah. If, if anyone listens to this, they know who does. Yep. That's he, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> he's an awesome dude. So transitioning a little bit here, um, Ron Mayer educated me on this on this secret, and I want. I want your opinion on it. Secret. Well, he talked about, like, in sports betting, there's some magic to having kids. Like, somebody oh. who has a baby. Like, if if Tom Brady has a kid, like, you should put your money on Tom Brady that year. Or if Tiger Woods has a kid, you should put your money on Tom Brady that year because there's a, there's a magic voodoo with 
people who have kids and winning big things. Don't Do tell you my think there's that. something to that? I mean, I'm going to say no just in case my wife listens. I mean, I can count three boats and three kids, Noah. I'm just saying, like, three boats, three kids. I, I can say a boat doesn't pay for a kid, though. But a kid might win you a boat if you have it at the right time. So I, I think I think kind of in a way. You want to know why I think it might? It's the added pressure. Is it pressure or is it, like, this happy, this overjoy? Both. You know, both. 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 There's, there's joy to having a kid, but it, it is very stressful, too. Well, yeah, you have another mouth to feed, yeah, and, and those kids cost, I mean... Babies are very hard to take care of. They are, and I heard a stat that, you know, each kid is worth a quarter million dollars, but this was like in the early 2000s, yeah. and that's if they don't play hockey, that's if they don't yeah. whatever, so it's probably with inflation like 400 k a kid now. You should see my, my grocery bill every week. I can't imagine, dude. That's bad. Well, I think that's something that's probably the most impressive about you in my opinion is there's a lot of people who who can't commit to the things they're committing to due to being a parent because fishing it's not like hockey where you can play for an hour and you're tired or it's not like golf where you know you play two a, a two hour round of golf and you know you call it good fishing is it's eight eight to 14 hours mm-hmm. or for you it's 2 a.m or whatever <laughs> um i i think that's part of the reason what why I do, I don't want to say like really good. That's why I do okay. That's why I've had the success I've had is because I have a lot of pressure on me. And if I'm spending my money and our money and I don't cash checks, like that's not good. You know, like I gotta, I have to cash checks. I have to win or I can't be out there doing that because I've got a mortgage and seven, well, I don't have seven kids to feed anymore. One's pretty well moved out. The other one, it's going to probably move out within the next six months, I'd imagine, year. Sure. So I have five kids to feed and bills to pay. And if I'm out there spending $3,000 to fish this tournament right. and I shit the bed, right? You know, that's, that comes directly out of my bank account. And if I do that all year long, next thing you know, you're broke. You know? So I, 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 if I'm out there half-assing it and lollygagging and then I'm at the bar getting drunk every day with my buddies and not on the lake practicing, like, I don't know. My, my wife seems pretty nice, but don't piss her off. Right. You sh- <laughs> I, 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 I got you. I, I, told, I told Figgy once. My mom's like, that way. That was a joke. Like, it, and it wasn't really a joke. We were sitting on a Pokemon once and we were on the table for a lunch break for the champion store. He's like, God, what the hell? He's like, why are you so good? <laughs> I'm like, if you had to go home to my wife, get the ass chewings I get after I lose, you'd be good too. I <laughs> said, sure, sure. <laughs> she can be a bear. When I lose, she is not happy. Well, I got to tell you, there's a reason for that though. It's because it's, money's coming directly out of our bank account, and we're betting the money that we have. And like I said, I'm saying all the time, we don't come for money. You know, right? So if we lose three thousand dollars, that that hurts, right? You know, so. Well, and this isn't this is not throwing shade. This is pure respect. But what year is your pickup, dude? Oh, you'd be proud of me. No, I th- I bought one. Gonna, oh, you bought one. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna get into that. But like, here's here's what hit home for me. I was kind of down in the dumps after Gull. Like, right? Like, I God, like just yeah. I saw it. I I tasted it. I felt it. Like I and then I got to the ramp at uh, the north end of Gull after that event, and I saw your old rusted out pickup yep. back in a trailer down the ramp. And I saw four or five kids, you know, mm-hmm. playing in the boat. 
and one felon you remember that i missed that part but <laughs> i've never like that was about an hour after the event and i've never felt so i guess not not relieved but like content with where i ended up as when i saw like you backing that trailer down because it at that moment i realized like you see me i only got to feed one one mouth right yeah. i only got to worry about one thing this guy has how many mouths to feed? Like seven, if you count me in my life. Like, well, eight, because one of our sons is still living with us. But I think he's working full. He'll, anyways, but yeah, like yeah, I have a lot of pressure on me to. You talk about pressure, like it, it hit home after that event. Like, holy shit! Like this guy had way more on the line than I did. Yeah. Like for this event, mm-hmm. and like this guy deserved it. Like you deserved it, dude. And not that I ever felt like you didn't. I was just, I was in my own head about how I had fished, but I want you to know, like, that is, that was like a really cool moment for me was seeing you back in that trailer down at the ramp and you got a new truck. So that's good. What'd you get? You know what the crazy thing is? Let's rewind a little bit. That truck that you seen was an upgrade to the previous year. That was an upgrade? That was an upgrade. That looked like a golden fucking gambler, bud. (laughs) That wasn't, I'm not lying. Anybody that knows me, ask them. Like it's, before that I had a $500 Ford Expedition that I had bought and I put a motor in it and I got it. That's why I bought it cheap and I put like a $400 motor in it and I drove that thing for eight, nine years and I was fishing the Champions Tour out of that thing for the first three years. Wow. First three years. And I think it had like 320,000 miles on it and it broke down like every other tournament. I was putting coil packs in or branching on doing something to it. So you were working on the truck too? Yeah. And the boat. Yeah. Jesus. The day I got to Bay Lake to practice for that tournament, on the way up, the, my, my truck broke down. But I still had still had seven of the eight cylinders, so I could still run and drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I practiced all day, and then I found the nearest O'Reilly's, bought me. The, it was just a coil pack. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it was against the firewalls, like number eight cylinders, so it was all the way in the back. Pain in the ass to get to. I spent like an hour, hour and a half, putting that coil pack in, working on my truck, and three days later, the head gasket blows on my boat. <laughs> so yeah, I've, and that's that's how I that's how I grew. Up. I I, didn't, I shouldn't say grew up. I don't want to knock my family or anything like that, but like my, that's my parents haven't had money and all. Like yeah, I never grew up with money, so I've always had junk. Sure, but it's just a testament to anybody who thinks, oh, I can't fish the Champions Tour. You know, I don't have a I don't have thirty thousand dollars in graphs. I don't have a brand new hundred thousand dollar Ranger. Bullshit. If your boat floats, you can fish. You can fish. Like, that's bullshit. Well, dude, I mean, it boils down to limiting beliefs, right? Mm-hmm. Limiting beliefs. Like, we we set our own limitations on what can or can't be done. There's no, I mean, we set those. There's so many people who put barriers or parameters or obstacles in front of themselves. Mm-hmm. We're our own worst enemy that way. Mm-hmm. You're fishing, I mean... I could not afford to fish champions for the first year. I'd, well, we had like five grand in our savings, and it took us, I don't know how many years to save that up. Sure. And we decided to gamble. The first, because the first year was, it was four main season events and then a championship. So it was four grand to get in. And we couldn't afford it. We didn't have $4,000. We did in case of emergency, you know. Yep. We put it all on the line. But there's something to say about betting on yourself. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier in the house with, you know, your job change. When you did change jobs, 
was this before you fished the champions tour so you you, you quit your regular time job essentially to bet on yourself mm-hmm. yeah and was this before you had fished the champions tour yep okay before i fished champions tour to me there's a lot to be said about like even this story in parallels to fishing like you were i think you managed like pig farms mm-hmm. yeah anyone that doesn't know like i used to be a hog farmer and that, that's not glamorous hog farming oh you've always been farming hogs <laughs> yeah <laughs> just which ones no it was it was a horrible horrible career path i chose and i didn't choose it because i wanted to do it i chose it out of necessity because maybe we'll get into this in a different time but i didn't i kind of had a rough childhood not because of the way my parents raised me got sure. great parents because i was I was a little shithead, you know? Yeah, yeah. I was always getting in trouble. It happens. So I had a rough childhood, and which led me into a bad job. Yep. It's just a bad, low-paying job. and But then I grew up and realized, like, I got to grow up. I got to be a good person, you know? And, <laughs> and then I – so I, I I have good work ethic. Yeah. Even when I was getting in trouble and not being a very good person. You worked Socially, hard. yeah. I worked hard. So I started just as an entry level – I started full time when I was sixteen. Yep. I actually moved out of my parents' house when I was sixteen. So No shit. Yeah. Wow. There's a lot of backstory to me yeah, that nope. nobody knows. Yep. Yep. Probably should cut that too, actually. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what, dude, to me this makes you human. Yeah. Like it makes you who you are and, and if anything, I think it I think more people can relate than with that than yep. you think. Like So all I had was my work ethic and I and, I, I finally grew up when I was about 18. I quit messing around. I, yep. I still hung out. I still partied with all my buddies and all that stuff, you know. It's a pretty good age to grow up, though. A lot of people don't grow up. I mean, I'm still growing up, dude. So. <laughs> but so I, I was working, you know, full-time, and I started as just a regular general labor worker, and, you know, being that young and not having any education, you don't have many job opportunities. You know? Right. So I took right. what I could get. And that's, yep. that's what I did. I was a hog farmer and worked in... The industry for uh, 19 years, I think. Long story short, I worked my way up from just regular technician to a department lead to assistant manager to manager. And they actually offered me a supervisor position, which that required me. And by the time I got, I got offered a supervisor position, I was already, you know, one or two kids deep. Sure, in sure. my relationship with my wife. and So that pressure was real and, like, mm-hmm. in that job, paying for the, like, that mm-hmm. was. But I couldn't. That supervisor job required me to be gone. Like a week at a time. I got you. So I'd come home for the weekends and I'd be traveling during the week, come home. So that, that wouldn't fly, you know? Right. So I stayed as a manager where I was. I had like 14 employees underneath me. And if you can imagine not knocking anybody that works on a hog farm, because I know some fishermen work at hog farms. I mean, if, without hog farms, we wouldn't have pulled pork. But the industry, the commercial side of hog farming, which what I was in, you know, yep. you, people think hog farmers think of mom and pa raising pigs on a farm i'm talking commercial talking where you have three thousand head in a, a site a lot of pigs that's just the solid like the the and then the bait we we produce like a hundred thousand pigs a year holy smokes. so it was the commercial side of it yep yep and the quality of people that worked there wasn't very good so we had high turnover very high, high turnover. turnover Yep. high stress job my, I didn't have an assistant manager. I didn't have any department leads underneath me that were there to support me because we could not keep anybody in the doors. Yeah, long story short, I couldn't handle the stress. I was working 60, you know, 70 hours a week, and I was only getting paid for 40. 
Yeah. So I was salaried. Yeah. Could never take any time off to go fishing because I had to work all the time because yep. I didn't have any people there to work. And I just had hit a breaking point. And I this one day knee jerk reaction got pissed and I put my notice in and I quit. So I'm like, and we had a little bit of savings saved up, and I'm like, okay, what you know, the hell? Because I was making decent money, you yep. know. That's how yep. we bought our house. Right. We got used to that lifestyle off of that income. Well, yep. Yep. How am I going to find a job with no education that's going to compensate me what I was making at this job, you know? Right, right. And we didn't have nice things. It's not like we were rich, but. You'd just gotten to that level where we bought a house. Yes. We're, we're operating at a level. You yep. had a level of repetition, but it wasn't. It, hap- it wasn't fulfilling you there was there was something missing and you yeah. were you were dying slowly you know the crazy thing it was always in the back of my mind for that's how much fishing consumes me it was always in the back of my mind and it's like it was a constant thought and a constant drive in me is how can i quit my job or find a job or do something where i can make money but yet fish whenever right. i want however i want what can i what kind of business can i start yep that i can fish whenever i want Yep. I was like, God, a lawn mowing business, that'd be good. But I'm like, well, then you're mowing lawns all freaking summer and all you can't fish, long. you know? Right. Like, what? Construction, nope, because then you're, you're working all yeah. summer long. Like, what can I do? I was always fracking my brain. What could I do to start my own business and fish on my terms, you know? And yep. Anyways, so I quit my job. And uh, me and my wife are kind of in scramble mode because reality is setting in. Like, shit, we have a mortgage to pay. We have kids to feed. Right. Money's running out. What are we going to do? You know, so I applied a few jobs and I had some opportunities, like decent paying jobs back then. You know, this was six years ago, 20 bucks an hour, which now is like damn near minimum wage. It Par seems like, course. you know, or, yeah. I mean, back then, it, it's, it depends where you live. Mm-hmm. I think from that standpoint, cost of living, you know, depends yep. where you live. But anyway, but back then I was like, okay, but I, you know, I don't think we can quite make our bills on all, you know, that, but I got to start somewhere. So I'll take these. I had two, two job opportunities and I was actually going to take one job working for the state. And my wife wanted to do like a little t-shirt business on the side to kind of make some side income and make clothing for the kids, you know, to save money that way or whatever. And mm-hmm. buy me this machine that makes stencils and yeah, it makes decals and blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, okay, whatever. Well, so I spent 200 bucks on this machine and then. Like a cutting, like a. Yeah. Like you can take like vinyl and it cuts like a. You can cut a stencil out, or you sure. can cut like a like that kind of thing. Yeah, but not like that would be a CNC. Yeah, that'd be but CNC. same concept for like stickers or, sure. or a vinyl decal. Yep. Intune like, had a decal guy who would make our reg like decals this. that way. Oh like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. This. This, would, like, this would be a pressed-on vinyl print. or something like or, that. Right? Yep. Okay. So she made some shirts like that. She was farming out with that. She's like, "What? Well, she like, oh, you want to make a couple signs for the house?" I'm like, "What do you mean signs? Like all these farmhouse signs?" Yeah, oh my God, these things are stupid, you know. Okay, whatever. Just trying to please the wife, you know. It's like as you, when you get married, it, that's that's a real thing. That's ninety percent of your job. Just I mean, keep your wife happy. I haven't been married, but I've had a girlfriend, <laughs> and yep, gotta gotta do stuff. All right, fine. So I go in the garage. I look around. Okay, here's a spare piece of lumber. It's like a one by eight. It's like twenty inches long. I stain it up and create this the stencil off this machine that she wanted me to buy, and I put it on here and I painted it up. I took it off. I'm like, holy shit, this looks pretty nice. Looks cool. It's like something to buy in the store. Sure. Oh, you know what the hell? I put it on eBay that night before I went to bed. <laughs> I wake up and it's sold overnight for 40 bucks. Honey, I sold the sign. Oh, she was kind of pissed at first. She said, you sold that sign? <laughs> I'm like, 
well, let's uh, let's let's try it again. You know, so I made a couple more. Yeah. A couple more days go by, one or two more sells. I'm like, so right now my wheels are turning. You know, and I already have a job offer. Yep. Like okay, I have like a week to decide on this job. Things are happening really fast, but I think I have a little slimmer sliver of hope here. Let's see what happens. So I create like five or six signs one day and I take pictures and I put them all up on eBay and I put quantity of like a hundred on yep. each of them, you know, yep. I'm doing the math in my head, you know, just like, like dreaming like, God, how many signs a day would I have to make to live to make an income, you know? And, well, and at this point you're, I mean, you're in between jobs. Yeah. It's kind of tough times in the Schultz household. Right? Stressful. Yeah. Stressful. So you're out woodworking. <laughs> so I go to bed that night and I remember it's like 10 o'clock at night and I hear cha-ching on my phone. I'm like, no way. Is that I, the eBay sound it makes? Cha-ching, yep. Really? <laughs> so Dude, like, that's cool. I go check. Oh, got him. I go check and it's like, oh, it's like 35 bucks. I'm like, sweet. Sick. I lay back down like 15 minutes later. Cha-ching. I'm like, no fucking way. Is this happening, you know? But I can't sleep now, you know, because I'm thinking all like what ifs, the what ifs. Like, yeah. Keep in mind, I, I hate farmhouse signs. I think they're the dumbest thing ever. I don't know if you guys know what farmhouse signs are, but James Chapman, James Chapman got me one for a housewarming gift. The one you saw. Yeah. There. Yeah. I need to rehang it, but so like they're, 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 they're the dumbest things ever. They'd say like <laughs> the women, like they had the sign in their kitchen that says eat and it says kitchen. It's like, well, no shit. You're in a kitchen. You don't need to have a sign that says kitchen, you know, eat, pray, and says, love home. <laughs> yes. This is a home. But anyway, so I'm like, this. duh. <laughs> yeah. So I, I go to bed yeah. and I wake up and like six or seven of them or something like that sell overnight for a couple hundred bucks. I'm like, sweet. Okay. So we're the dock fishing today, baby. Bulbs Let's going go. on. Yep. All right. This is just a numbers thing. Yeah. How many more designs can I make to get more out there? So then I create more designs. I open an Etsy shop. Well, I shouldn't say me. Me and the wife are kind of doing all this, you know? Yep. 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 I'm, she's the thinker. Yep. I'm the doer. Got it. I'm I'm the bitch. You definitely. Well, she, she's the worker or she's the thinker. <laughs> <laughs> so she's thinking of all these ideas that do and create. So then I'm I'm putting the ideas to wood, pretty much. You know, sure. creating yep. these things. And sales are starting to come in. We're like day four, day five, and it's like next thing we're shipping like five, six, seven signs a day consistently. It's like a couple hundred bucks a day. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm I'm taking a chance on this. I said I'm not taking that job. We're going to see what happens with this. This is the government job? Yep. That you, okay. Great benefits. Sure. Pay wasn't like phenomenal, but it's good pay. Phenomenal well, benefits. Healthcare, I mean. Yeah. Like with Pension, everything. Pay. I'm like. Yeah. We're government gonna, gigs have good bennies. We're going to roll the dice and we're going to see what happens because I've, I've been wanting to work for myself for my entire life. You know, yep. not, I didn't have farmhouse signs in mind. Like it wasn't my passion to make farmhouse signs. Neither was hog farming, you know. Well. Can't stand either one of them, but if I can live on my own terms you work for you yes so then we open an etsy shop and we're now we're like six seven days in and i decided to apply to sell on amazon and in the meantime waiting to hear back from amazon so it's like a two-week window to get on amazon like and anybody gotcha. that doesn't know amazon everyone just thinks amazon sells you these products amazon is made up of people like me right attention all smallmouth anglers have you thrown the marabou jig have you thrown the hair jig Well, if you have, you're going to want to listen right now. This podcast is brought to you by Veselka Fishing and Customs, a custom rod shop based out of Minnesota, and he has developed the answer, folks. What if I told you you could throw that marabou jig 30 to 50% further than you're casting it right now? 
Well, the well, Dane, Mr. Veselka himself, has developed the answer. It's a custom eight-foot hair jig rod developed on a steelhead fly blank. He's put custom fly guides on this, so you're really going to be able to outcast the competition, catch more smallmouth. They aren't going to see you. What more do you need? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit VeselkaFishing.com. That's V-O-C-E-L-K-A Fishing.com. This is the 8-foot hair jig rod, but this guy can build you anything you want. If you can dream it, he can do it. This episode is brought to you by Just North of Memphis Barbecue. This is world champion barbecue. If you smoke meat and you don't like good barbecue, I do not know what to tell you right now besides you need to try some of this stuff. They've got their rub. They've got their sauces right on their website. They've got their famous dry rub award-winning seasoning that you can put on ribs, brisket, pulled pork, chicken, wings, anything you like to put on the smoker, on the oven, on the grill, any meat you like to cook. You need some of this dry rub seasoning in your life. But don't forget the sauce because that's award-winning world champion sauce here. No matter what flavor you like, they've got three different sauces and they are all good you can drink them straight out the bottle we've got sweet christies for all you sweet loving barbecue folk we've got christies mischief for all you spicy bass anglers out there and then we've got christies gold and they'll sell all three of them in a combo but you need to go to their website right now it's jnomemphis.com that's jnomemphis.com dry rub sauce barbecue let's go third-party sellers yep amazon owns very little actual inventory they're a middleman they are just a platform yep they own some but more and more, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. starting to get rid of the smaller sellers sure. to control the quality of product being sold. Yep. But anyways, apply to be on Amazon. They say yes, and they have this handmade section, which we would qualify for because this is handmade stuff. It's yep. not mass produced in a... And they had like guidelines, like you couldn't have more than seven employees. You couldn't produce X amount of units per day, like yada, 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 whatever. Yep. yep. And we fell into that criteria. Yep. So then I start putting these things on Amazon, and this is no shit... And like the next, the first 24 hours sold one. And then it's like after that, it's like the floodgates open. And it's in the first year we sold well over six figures. Wow. Yeah. Of signs, wooden signs. How relieving is that though? Like you talk about the fear that comes from, that was like your first time doing that too. It was like, okay. Most people think, Okay, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a nice cushy job. I'm going to hate my life for about, you know, <laughs> 55 years and then, you know, it's going to be fine after that. I mean, to leave that comfort of security that was hard with a job, to bet on yourself. That was hard. And not well, for you not knowing how you were going to bet on yourself, you just I'm done doing this. And yep. people get that way. And sounds like you had, you know, an opportunity to work for the Gestapo. Um, and you know, but what that did for you mentally as a fisherman, that that was a turning point. Like that's my little connection with that is that was a turning point of everything after that is history. Right. That it cleared up my, cleared up my mental space too, because I would be, I used to fish to Denny's while I was working in the hog industry. Hog industry. Okay. But I'd have a work phone on me. 
And that thing would ring with issues all the time and supervisors and employees having problems, this, this, and this. So I was never mentally clear and able to focus on the fishing because I was always so stressed out of right. what was going on at my job and what would be there waiting for me when I came back. Yep, there's you know? a weight with you. So it's like I was on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter if I was on vacation or not. Like it was, it was, re- it was a really, really bad job. It's almost like changing life to your terms. Yes. Right? Yeah. Like when you work for somebody, your life is on their terms. Mm-hmm. X amount of days, X amount of hours mm-hmm. a week by contract. And uh, like that sign epiphany you had, I mean, that prepared you for the last half, the last two hours of a champions tour event, probably <laughs> better than you could ever thought being, because being, being willing to keep an open mind and change on a dime. Yeah. yeah. That is 100% what, what you did with your job. I, I seen an opportunity with, and I, and you capitalized. Yes. Yep. 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 Paint as, as many signs as you could. Yeah. I mean, my wife and I were talking about it the other day. So it only lasted about two years, and then COVID hit. Sure. And everyone knows lumber prices skyrocketed. And it's not just that. There was other things that were going on, too. There's, this farmhouse thing was a trend. It was a huge trend. Well, if you know anything about you know consumer products, Chinese, they knock off everything. Right. And sell it at a third of the price. So that started to creep in, too. Okay, so you had you had overseas companies starting to like, hey, this guy's painting barn signs, and you know he's yep. selling a lot of them. Well, Hobby Lobby started to take them on too. No shit. You know, so you see, started to see these mass-produced signs that looked. I'm not saying they're copying us. Fuck Hobby Lobby. But they're copying the trend. Yeah. Which we were copying too. You know, for so, sure. And they could make it for they could sell the same sign that we would sell for sixty dollars for twenty. I got you. you. Know? Yep. Yep. We yep. we still had a small. We still had a small portion of the market because people still wanted that handmade. They were, instead of buying this particle board thing, ours were made out of real wood. Yep. Like they weighed like five pounds. Like they were nice quality. I, I handmade the trim. Yep. We got to the point towards the end that we were making, we had everything so dialed in. We were so good at it. We were making, I felt like they were like, like I said, again, I never have no dream in my life to make signs, but they were very good signs. Beautiful. Very good. You were the Picasso of those signs. I guess, right? But, but the weather changed to your point. Yeah. Like, the signs, all of a sudden, everyone started throwing the jig worm. Yes. All of a sudden, you had this guy, like, everyone was throwing the jig worm. Mm-hmm. So, or, you know, all of a sudden the sun came out, or it was cloudy, or what have you. So yep. you had to pivot, or you had I to make adapt. an adjustment. Yep. I w- so, right? so how was that? So you had your first obstacle of, oh, shit, I'm betting on myself. Oh, shit, how's this going to go? Okay, I got something figured out. Okay, okay, okay. And then, oh shit, the Chinese have it figured out. We're fucked. Yep. Like, that's it, crazy. That's exactly how it went down. It was like it was a, uh, it was like in my mind there was three things that kind of that crumbled that business. And then we're not we're not doing that business anymore. That business failed. I shouldn't say failed, but we went we stepped away from it. Sure. Because it was too flooded with competition. The uh, the the amount. So I'll, I'll kind of so we had COVID, which yep. raised lumber prices. We were buying a piece of wood, so a one by eight. Yep. We were at first, when we first started this business, we were paying like four twenty six for it, and by the end, we were paying like seventeen fifty for the same damn piece of wood. That's over three times as much. Yeah. So a cut three in our profits huge, and then card yeah. the cardboard boxes went up, so the shipping supplies <laughs> yeah. went up. Yep. The cost of postage went up, which is typical, you know, and then. 
we had to drop our prices because of the markets being flooded with other sellers. It was the perfect so it's storm. Like, Oof. Yep. Now, now I'm starting to think, I'm starting to think like as a business person, like looking at how much I'm working because we're still selling, you right. know, right. we're still doing volume, but our costs are going up and our, pro our, our, our revenue is going down because we're dropping our sales price. Sure. So it's like, I'm doing the math. I'm like, I'm making like 15 bucks an hour. What am I doing? Right. This doesn't make sense. When I first started, we were making good money, you know, I'm like, this doesn't make sense anymore. And so I started looking at other things like, okay, we have this Amazon platform. We have this eBay platform and eBay is easy to get on. Anybody can sell on eBay, but Amazon, you, you, they, they, you have to be not chosen, but you have to be approved to sell on Amazon. Nobody yeah. can sell on Amazon. Like you, they have, they have to, like Gandalf at the gate. Like, yeah, you shall not pass. It's, it took us two weeks to get in. Like it's, you yeah. got, it's, it's, they're very, buy. they are dick sticklers on Amazon. Gotcha. But that's, that's why Amazon is what Amazon is because they have those standards. They have a very high standard. And if yep. you do not meet that standard, then you do not sell on Amazon. They don't sure. give you second chances. Like you screw up once and you're gone. But anyways, so, you know, as I'm making signs down here in my office, I'm making all these signs and all these things. Like I have, you know, TVs going and YouTube going and stuff like that. I'm just trying to think, what can I do? What can I do to pivot away from this? Yep. So now I'm starting to fall back into the same thing that I got away from is I'm, almost trapped here i can't go away because i have to hit this certain dollar amount every right. month i have to make these signs but i'm not making as much on them yep so now and i have to make more of them and yep. it costs more to make them so now i'm right back to where i was working right. 60 70 hours a week i'm like this is stupid so yep. i'm like so it came to a point in time and we started to dabble in um selling actual consumer products Yep. Products that other companies were making that we weren't making, like headphones, cell phone covers, yep. um, freaking all kinds of trinkets, anything, you know, like, like there, you got three headphones lined up in a row right there. Like yep. perfect example. We'd get, we'd buy 50 of them, 50 of these. And then we'd buy yeah. our 50 sound machines for babies. You know, yep. like we would just buy bulk items from liquidators of Target, Walmart, um, Sam's Club. Best Buy, what any of these big box stores that either would take stuff off of their shelves because um, they're bringing stuff in for new inventory in, right? Or we would buy customer returns off of liquidators. And we started doing stuff like that. Okay. We would buy pallets of inventory at a time from these liquidation companies, and we started to dabble in that. And it was like an, another eye opener, another change of the weather. You yep. know, it's like yep. okay, this is way easier, right? There is no work but just to go through this inventory and list it and test right. it and make sure it works. Right. So once this lure is getting hung up one out of ten casts versus that lure is yep. getting hung up five out of ten casts. And like this is like a six six month transition here where I kept telling the wife, like I am showing her the numbers, like, hey, this is what the sign business is doing, this is what we can do. We're dabbling in this liquidation side here. Yep. We gave this a one week go. This is what we made. This is what we made in one week in signs. Like the writing's on the wall. Like this is going away we why well, try to force this right right why well, right. try to force the dock bite when right. it's going away like this is the deal well and, and you kind of learn from the hog to amazon transition where like you still made signs and slowly transitioned yeah. into the other stuff yep. versus putting yourself in a starving situation yeah so exactly i learned that yeah I, dude you're a problem solver you're a thinker and you putting like that past you talk about where you were maybe a shit or you weren't as good a kid as 
you would want one of your kids to be. I'd, I kill, mean, I'd kill my kids. If, they're, if they ever listen to this, if you were me, oh, we're going to have a But here's the deal, though. Here's the deal, though. Like, you are you because you're you. And there's something to be said about you making those mistakes mm-hmm. early on that allowed you to not make them again That's versus true. somebody who never made those mistakes. Yeah. Right? So I wouldn't look at it with such bad light. I would look at, I mean, to it's, me, there's some there's something positive to be taken not, out of that. It's not bad light. It's more of, I don't know. I don't want the people to know that side of me. Your conscience. I get yeah, that. You know. Yeah. And we don't need to get into that. I mean, I got to pee, but um, I got some questions for you when we get back. All right. All right. We're back from our piss. And uh, so with this whole kids thing, Where you know, we? Leitner was telling me that he thinks it's good luck to have sex before an event. And I'm like. <laughs> I've always, I will, I've always like blue balled it. You know, I'm like, no way. I'm, I'm whole, I'm keeping all the testosterone I can going into this event. But I'm like, when I look at a guy like you, are you like, are you like Leitner, but we're going to take it a step further and we're going to conceive before oh. each event. Like, like it's one thing to have sex, but like the other thing is to conceive. Like, is that your thing is we're going to conceive or when is your bisectomy scheduled or, well, we actually, you know, th- like she's she's not to take anything away from my kids, but she's always the one that wanted the big family. Yeah, I got like, you. Yep. And I guess it didn't matter to me either way, but now that I have them, obviously I love them. But for sure, I always told her like we can never have kids during the summer. So if you want to have kids, we have to figure this out so you have them like around Christmas. Sure. So all of our kids, with the exception of the last one, were around that. November, December month period. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. <laughs> so, 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 no, we do conceive before an event. Not before an event. I'll, I'll just say that. Two this. weeks before. The wife and I have a saying, and that's all I'm going to say. Hey, all the respect in the world to your wife. Uh, and I hope, you know, we that was a, a compliment. We have a saying before every event. a compliment. Event, and that's all I'm going to say. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, well, t- I'll tell you off, Mike. No, dude, you're fine. Um, that's wonderful. She's good shit. Like, she's she's like one of the guys. You know? Oh, for sure. Like you can just BS with her, and she she swears more than Matt Thompson does. <laughs> <laughs> I respect that. She swears like God. She's just like, but she doesn't drink. She will not touch a beer. She won't. She's, but she like I said, she's also a bear. Like if I lose, she would make a very good supervisor. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> well. I mean, at the end of the day, she she lets you do a lot of the things you want to do. So, yep. you know, I guess, you know, that's kind more, of, if she wants more kids, like you can give her what she wants. Well, you know, we're, we're done. You now. get to we're fish. Done. You getting you getting a bisectomy? I should, but no. Should we should we announce like a GoFundMe page right now for we Noah's should. bisectomy? We should. We're going to we're going to start a fundraiser. I just want like <laughs> I, I'm getting old. I'm getting tired like Yeah, dude, we got to tie your tubes. Oh man, like these kids are, they, they take every ounce of energy out of you. And it's like, if I, I keep thinking like, not of right now having a kid, but I'm thinking like in 10 years, how much fun am I going to be for my youngest daughter when I'm 50? You know, like I'm already tired. Yeah. My back is shot. I'm tired. It's hard getting off the couch, you know, like, yeah. So I, I think of stuff like that and I want to. She's going to be a tough daughter. Let her just fend for herself. Oh, she'll figure a, it out. They're all good kids. 
That's awesome, dude. But no, that's it's. She had a lifestyle that she wanted. I had a lifestyle that I wanted. This is the happy medium. I, I, I give her the lifestyle she wants. She lets me pursue the lifestyle that I want. Right. But the opens is kind of a little hiccup. I, I was going to ask you about that yeah. because the opens just got harder, right? Yeah. Like they got harder from a competition standpoint. But everybody fishing is there to I, make the elites. I think, I think there should be like a little asterisk put there. I think it would be easier to qualify though. You think so? I think so. You don't have the local factor as much. No, you take all the local factor out of it. But you have—they're there fishing because they can hop in, right? Two hundred twenty. But their points don't matter. Two hundred twenty guys, one hundred eighty-four. One hundred eighty-five, I think. One hundred eighty. They have full fields at every event because right. they're allowing locals to jump in. I got you. So they didn't fill. They didn't no. fill then. Mm-mm. They got like one eighty-five, which is still a lot. What were they going to fill at? Two twenty-five, two fifty. Two twenty-five, and only have what nine? qualify yes but i i think it would be easier because you take the divisions yeah and they're like the the ross barnett and the what was it ross barnett red river and sam rayburn those are all within what five hours of each other yeah they're locals yeah so there's a local there they're gonna jump into that division oh you're right we got our ass kicked at hartwell by locals so i in, in my mind i think it would be it would be easier to qualify for the elites fishing all nine because you take that that home field advantage away. Yeah, he might have a home field advantage down in Texas. Right. But when he goes to the East Coast to fish Oneida. Yeah. You know? it's a good point. I mean, Keith Tuma just got 25th or whatever in yeah. the Open. He had a horrible first day, but one good day of fishing. He needs mm-hmm. 20, like 20 22 pounds second day? Yeah. 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 I love watching. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, I think it'll be easier just fishing a one division where it's very localized to a certain area. That's my opinion. That could be, yep. that could be wrong, but. Well, I think, I think the whole state of Minnesota agrees with me when we say this, but what's your plan? I mean, because there's big things for you. You've proven it at this level and there's no reason you can't go prove it at that next level. Um, is there, is there a plan in your head as far as like how this goes for you? Yeah, there's a plan. There's a plan. So, like, every, last year I dabbled. I got, I don't I want to say I got my teeth kicked in on the first one, but I knew I'd, statistically, I didn't have much of a chance. You know, like, I had a chance, but not enough of a chance for me to justify spending another $10,000 to fish the last two, you know? Sure. Like, sure. again, once again, take it away from my family. Like, that's how yep. I look at it. Like, every decision I make, I got to think about not just myself. I got to think about the kids and my wife and bills at home and all that good stuff. Right. So right. this last year I was gung ho. I'm fishing all nine. You know, like I'm gonna We're doing this. I'm gonna fish all nine. I'm gonna, you know, ask for some help from some sponsors and yep. put some fears out there so I can't find some new sponsors to try to help pay for some of this, you know. And yep. But you know, you have a family, you're married, you know. It's not just as easy when I how many kids in school. Right. You're taking kids out of school, it's like Yeah. So my wife and I came to a somewhat of a compromise kind of put my foot down we'll see unless if i don't know if i should go on the record saying this but we, we bought a camper this last year we bought a camper i mean it's on facebook you can say you bought yeah, a camper. camper i mean i was talking about why don't you say this but <laughs> I, I i want to say that i'm very very confident i'll be fishing all nine opens next year sure unless i have a very bad season this year sure 
Sure. If I have a really bad season and I'm not cashing checks or I just have an off season financially, and then I cannot do the opens. Sure, sure. I don't have my wallet. Is, well, <laughs> it's a pretty small wallet. Let's uh, say that. Well, I mean, so, dude, to do something like that. Yeah. I mean, even if I went by myself and, went, and I traveled with Brad and Adam Rasmussen, yep. which, you know, if I went alone, that's probably what I would probably lean on them. Say, hey, you know, can I kind of travel with you guys? Right. Would help split up the cost. But you're still talking twenty five, thirty thousand dollars if you're a minimalist. Totally. You know? Yep. And, yep. and it's not just that. Do people don't think about they just think the dollar amount, the, the cost of actually doing it. And if if you if you work a job, great, you have paid vacation. You can right. take time off if you have that much vacation. But in my case, I don't. So if I take nine, ten weeks off of work, yep. that's two and a half to three months with no pay. Right, right, right. That is, that's more of a cost than the tournaments themselves. And that's yep. how I look at it too. It's like, how can I make my bills when I'm on the road? The spreadsheet has to make a little sense and it's hard. Okay. Like, but you have to do that. You have to have some irrationality yes. in my opinion, like to make, there is no like fishing the opens and making the elite series. There is no way to justify that on a spreadsheet. In my opinion, there's no way to justify doing that on a spreadsheet especially four years, probably, you know, you got to plan for a little bit of learning and a little bit of tuition, a little bit of failure, a little bit of all of it. You can't just plan to take top nine out of 185 guys who all plan to take top nine. So that's the thing that though, first year. I feel like I would have one year in me and that'd be it. See, and that's like, I think if anyone could do it in a year, I do think it's you, but there's such a learning curve. I was going to say like, you don't get a lot of practice. It's far away. It's different well, terrain. You, you it's five different days. forage. You get five days. You do. Okay. So that's, to me, so Ross Barnett. Five days, I mean. I took eight days, but that was travel time too. Yep. So I had four four days or five, four or five days of practice and like three days of travel uh-huh. or four days of travel, four days of travel, five days of practice. So nine, so I call it nine days. So that's about what I, that's what I would do for the, by the book. That's what I, would, I would fish all five days of practice. I'm right. Champions Tour, I put four days in, you know. This year, I, this year I might do a little bit more since we have a camper. It'll be cheaper. You got a camper, yeah, fuck what it. What the hell? Yeah. You know, like, like a campsite costs like 25 bucks a night now, so. Right. <laughs> to me, there's a balance between too little and too much of practice, and, and I'm like two to five days, and sometimes five days is too many, and sometimes two days is too few. And usually, you know, three or four, two to four is probably perfect I, for I, me. So I, I can see what you're saying. I can, I can see how the whole too much practice thing could mess with the guy because then you get very set in your way. But also on the other side of it, I almost feel like every hour extra you can have on the water is just another hour where you can understand a different scenario. Or I agree with that. Even a sp- Spot. You just come across a dumb little area, mm-hmm. and it's just loaded, and it's a nothing spot, and they just happen to still be there in the tournament. Like, just stuff like that. So I feel like if you don't let it hurt you, it can help you. But if you get very stuck in your ways, like, what do you think? What, like, do you think, like, as far as practice goes to tournament day, does it always unfold how you expect it to? No. And... To me, the days it does, you win. You win. <laughs> and you knock it out of the park. Yes. And you knew you were going to do it. Yes. 
But yes. that's not very often. No, it isn't. And in fact, I've learned the hard way just going into an event and just being hard-headed about something that was working really good. Um, but to me, I'd rather have a bunch of information that I've gathered that I that allows me to keep an open mind, right? Like Fighter and Lightner talk about how they just go willy-nilly into these, like a Ross Barnett or like Gunnersville, and I'm like, I'm not there yet. Maybe I'm just not good enough, but I got to see the lake. I need to see it and I will look at it and I will spend weeks looking at it and I won't pigeonhole myself on like, this is what it is, but I will look at the lake so that I understand. So what do you mean? Every by, nuance. Do you mean the lake? You mean look at the map or look at the actual lake when you're on it? Both. So I'm talking map. I'm talking earth. I'm talking lake. I'm talking. I want to know the ter- like, and this is, I've had a lot of success this way is l- if you understand how a lake lays out and you understand all of the features on a lake and the terrain and the geography of what you're fishing, for me, that allows me to make those gut decisions better. And it's not the same way for everybody. I've also pigeonholed myself, but that to me is more practicing. That's more so like me. I caught him on a crankbait on Vermilion, so freaking good that like I couldn't keep it out of my hand. And see, see I feel like I can pitch my pitch and hole myself at home in the garage with a beer in my hand, doing too much research. And see, that's what Lightner and Fighter would say: is you know, it gives them too many preconceived notions going into it. That's I almost got away from all that. Like I won't like. There's something I, to be said about that. I'll sit in my boat and look at my map. I, I, you know, I'll sit on my boat in my boat. I'll grab a couple beers, and I'll have the kids crawling all over in the boat, and I'll fire up a hummingbird, and I'll look at my Lake Master. I'll do that, but I don't look at tournament results. I don't look at – I don't watch many videos because I don't want to get too pigeonholed. I used to, but I've learned over time it doesn't work for, for me. I think I'm in the middle of that process, so I'll give you an example. Hartwell. I had basically from Big Stone to December, we qualified for nationals. I was on Hartwell daily. That water fluctuates. So I was looking at that lake at a lower water level, and I was really analyzing that lake. And um, we had lost the previous time down there to largemouth spotted bass fishing, and it was like we were fishing a different tournament than the top three guys. (laughs) So I was so mad about 2019 that I'm like, I'm going to figure out these largemouth and, you know, I get a little stir crazy. So I'm going to look at maps and I'm going to understand this terrain. Well, we got to Hartwell and it was like, this largemouth deal. Yes. So I don't know if it was my pre-research or practice, but the conditions completely changed tournament day. And we didn't necessarily change with them. However, there's 220 boats and only three guys keep fishing. And we had 10 pounds the first day and however many pounds of spots was leading, 17 or something. So, yeah, we need a big bag. So we're going to keep on this greenfish program. But it's funny because I'd done all this research going to Hartwell. And the second day of the event, I didn't catch a bass. (laughs) And I was so down on myself. All we could get him on was a drop. It was slick calm is the worst conditions you could have for fishing we had a fog delay that killed the morning blueback herring window that those fish kind of revolve around so i was so mad i was like god i suck at fishing 
I like what is wrong with me? So I stop at Chickamauga on the way home, on the drive home. I'm just, you know, 26-hour, 18-hour drive or whatever. You're just fucking, oh, like, God. this is the last, ca- the last cast I got to make it a bass. I didn't catch one all day. Like, it was just in my head, like, oh, you suck. And, um. Well, if you want to put the wife on the podcast? Yeah. Yeah, let's get her on. Make sure, make sure everything's cool. Say hi, guys. Oh my gosh, we got the Schultz family on the podcast today, folks. Can you hear everybody? Hi, guys. Say hi. Say hi, you're on the podcast. Hi. Talking to the microphone. Hi, hi guys. <laughs> That's awesome. What are you doing? Hi, Mina. What's up, Billy? Am I coming home? He's uh, not coming home. We've got a few more beers yet, then we'll be home. I'm kidding. I don't know. It's going to be a while yet. Jenna, you don't want to... Hey, could you put your mother on, please? I'm just kidding. <laughs> she doesn't have her hair done or anything, I'm sure. This... Hello. You guys are officially on the podcast. Congratulations, Schultz family. <laughs> Okay, guys. Dad's going to go, okay? Bye, guys. We'll see you in a little while. Bye, my na. Love you, too. Oh, thanks for the kisses, honey. Bye. That's awesome. You don't answer during a Champs Tour event, do you? No. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even answer much in, much in practice, actually. Dude, that's such a good family. Yeah, they're good kids. That's the you know, part that's hard, too. Like Just me coming here, it's like... I've been home all winter long, you know, right. every single day. I'm home taking the kids to school, picking them up, doing the doll, the dad thing. And then I finally leave for the first time in I don't know how many months, you know. And oh my God. They miss you already. The daughter, the oldest daughter, she does not like that. No. Mm-mm. Well, you ca- you're, you're, the, you're the head of household, you and Jenna. So, like, yeah. are you bad cop around the house? If she's I have a good to. cop? Mm, she's always bad cop. Okay. This all day, every day. So, like, you're I'm you're their kidding. favorite guy. Like, they miss you. <laughs> They're like, this is a, I, it's a war zone since you left. I'm like, I don't know, like, this house is a fucking prison. I'm I'm the bad cop, and I like if they're naughty, yeah, I'll put the hammer down. But otherwise, like, if I sit on the couch, it's like, oh, here they all come. I got you. One kid on this knee, one kid on this knee, one kid on this arm. Holy it's smokes! Like trying to drink a beer, you know. I'm like, <laughs> hey, we got you a break. Yeah. yeah. So, Got no, you. it's well, that's what I like. I enjoy it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's cool. What What were we saying though before that? Oh, I was talking. I was jabbering about Hartwell. So I was super pissed, right? I just I suck at bass fishing, and Dane and Nipper and Dirk were we were staying at Dane's, Dane's dad's house in St. Louis on the way home, and I'm like, fuck it, I'm so mad. I'm like we were gonna just gonna drive straight to St. Louis, sleep, drive straight home. I'm like, I didn't even tell him. I was just so mad. I drove straight to the landing at Chickamauga, and I'm like, I only got three hours. I don't care. I don't care if I only catch one. I'm gonna stab a bass <laughs> so hard in the face that it's like I'm gonna set the hook so hard on these fish. And I went to Chickamauga just. Barebacking it, 
blind. Never fished Chickamauga in my life. I go, I fish one spot, nothing. I'm like, shit, I'm going to go out to that main creek channel. There's a bluff wall. It's fall. The shatter probably moving in. And I peeled on them, dude. Uh-huh. And it was just, I think about if I were to quit and drove straight to St. Louis that day and where my mental state would have been after that tough event. And there's something to be said about those preconceived notions. And like, I don't have many regrets on Hartwell because I do feel like all the locals won and everything just didn't work out for anybody else's favor going into that event. However, it's amazing what, a horrible event will do to your confidence and like it can destroy you mentally it can but there's there's a resilience to tournament fishing that is needed because it's a losing sport Mm -hmm. unless you're noah schultz um (laughs) i still lose more than i win (laughs) well bingo and kvd wins whatever what's the stat something crazy 1.6 percent of the time it's like the greatest angler Mm -hmm. in the world wins 1.6 percent yep. of the time and nascar is probably the only other thing i can think of that's maybe it's, similar it's to the that. most losing sport there is yep so that resilience or that mental toughness that like that you've gained from you know having kids at a younger age having you know it's all adverse, part of it it's all part of it and mm-hmm. dealing with adversity dealing with mental just barriers or hurdles mm-hmm. or adversity i mean and overcoming it makes you a better fisherman and i think like you said it's all it's all part of everything so like for me i'm usually the first one at the ramp every morning for me it's i'm up at four o'clock that's important Three thirty to 4 I, I have to be because i think that goes back to work ethic yep i had to be the first person at work because i was the boss yep and then i had to be there at four o'clock in the morning I did that for 10 years you know mentally that's your thing yeah that's my mindset is if I'm not the first one there and one of the last ones to leave, I didn't do my job for that day of practice. I got you. You know, like if I, if I get there late, if I get there at seven o'clock and the sun's been up for an hour and a half and I leave at four in the afternoon, I just lost five hours of practice. I agree with that. And you do that times four days. That's a day and a half of practice. That, that's, that's, that's my, agree with that. that's why I so like, and this, this is really, really, really hard on me and hard on my body. And it's, probably not very healthy but like this year's gonna be different but we're actually making it different this year so years prior so like vermilion's probably a five hour drive for me i would get up at i would go to bed at like nine because i'd get my rods and everything everything packed mm-hmm. go to bed at like nine wake up at 10 30 11 o'clock at night and hit the road and i'd be at vermilion at five in the morning it's like an hour and a half of sleep yep and i would fish until dark and go to my motel see this is my problem i will push myself so hard that i can't wake up on time the next morning (laughs) like for me i like you're first to the ramp i'm last one to leave because i don't like to leave until i got nothing left so i wouldn't say i want to say i'm last to leave but i'll stay till seven eight o'clock every night yep so there's probably maybe one or two guys left yep but that way but i also know my sleep is important too so if i leave at 7 30 and i have a 20 minute drive to my motel eat supper you know take a shower relax and then the next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock right and you have to get up at four so but you do that five days in a row you got nothing left by yeah, tournament yeah. day you know so I, I also know that sleep is important too and when you're starting the day number one of practice off with like two hours of sleep you know like in a five-hour drive and you get there and you fish for 15 hours like 
it the physical side of this sport is is incredibly difficult oh, for sure dude incredibly and difficult my problem is, is i'll figure out a bite and then i'll scan till like 2 a.m or <laughs> 1 a.m or midnight or 11 and then i'm just get off the water and i'm dead tired and then i'll sleep till like eight the next day yeah but you're still you're still putting the time exactly yep so to me it's it's about making sure you are trusting the process Mm -hmm. putting in the time whatever that process is for you whatever that means to you stick to it Mm -hmm. um hold yourself accountable um it will i'm just bad with routines that way it'll ruin my day if i'm not the first person there really there's one person that challenges me every time every time Who's that? He's a friend of mine, though. It's Clayton Storr, and he fishes a champion. He does. He I does. Him, I call him Buddy. His nickname is Buddy. Back he's a home. great dude. He's a very nice dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's the one person that challenges me every morning. And when he beats me, it's usually by a couple minutes. God damn it. Your boat's in the water before mine. What the hell? Dude, he's a super nice dude. I didn't really get to talk to him much till uh, Gull and Serpent, but um, oh, he's a nice guy. He's very down-to-earth. Yep. Awesome dude. There's a lot of people like that, um, but... Dude, I got to pee again. Is that bad? Dude, you just went like 10 minutes ago. I know, dude. Do you think it's a prostate thing? Or... I don't know. You're young. I wouldn't worry about it. I think it's just the, the space dust. I'll keep the garage warm for you. I mixed in a space dust. I think that's oh. what it is. Has there been any like uh, techniques each year? Do you kind of like say, I'm going to learn this, this, and this this year? And you have yeah. kind of like a hot list. Was there any like techniques that you broke through on last year? Like... Without getting into anything. Hopper rig. Yeah. Hopper yeah. rig for sure. Is there anything on your list this year? Like for me, it's it's brushing up on, you know, techniques that I've done, but I want to do better at, you know. Um, To be honest, one thing I'm really, 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 really going to focus a lot on this year is more with my forward-facing sonar. Just, yeah. it's just hard around home because... I don't know if this is, I don't know if this is a, like an excuse I keep making for myself, but like a lot of lakes we fish are grass. Yep. So it's very hard to use it. You can it use is. it, but it's not the end all be all. And then down home where I'm from, our lakes are very, very, very dirty, and our fish, our fish relate to cover. Yep. They don't get out and suspend around bait and stuff like that. They're sure. they're on cover constantly. Yep. So sure. our structure, so it, it definitely plays. It lets you know if they're there. But it's not like you can pan around and chase these open water fish, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want to. I want to find other ways to use it. And there's one. There's one thing that I do that I don't think is really mainstream yet. That I'm. I'm going to try to really dial in this year. This hopefully kind of give me an edge in some situations. But sure. I don't know if you want to talk about. I don't. Um, no, we'll just yeah, leave it. Yeah. We'll leave it at that. I think the fact is, is like to continue to push yourself. To me. Like if you're not learning, you're sitting stagnant. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Because this this sport is always evolving. Well, there's a lot of people that don't change. And then they, and then you go stagnant. Bingo. You can be good, really good at what you do, and that situation may arise here and there, but not every time. Well, Newman said it best with this: is like there's a lot of good fishermen out there, but to be a good tournament fisherman, different different mm-hmm. it's different and yeah. to me it's that constant evolution i mean you look at competition you look at technology you look at the tools we have and you look at the people using them it's like it's like hockey 
my dad and I were talking about this the other week. My dad was like, hockey's crazy. I, I went on YouTube and I watched the 1985 Stanley Cup Finals. And then I went on YouTube and I watched the 1992 Stanley, Stanley Cup Finals. And then I watched today's Stanley Cup Finals. And they looked like peewees out there. And these were the best people in the world <laughs> in 1992. And then I watched the 1999 Stanley Cup Finals. And then I watched, you know, 2005 Stanley Cup Finals. Then I watched the 2012 Stanley Cup Finals. Then I watched the 2023 Stanley Cup Finals. And, like, to keep on the analogy, like, hockey equipment, I'm like, well, yeah, Dad. They were, like, playing with wooden sticks, and they, their their pads probably weighed... 15 to 20 pounds heavier. Yeah. They look slower. Yeah. Their hands weren't <laughs> as good, but at the same time, like with the internet, with information, mm -hmm. you have more access. Like the internet has almost leveled the playing field. There's a lot of bad information out there too, though. Oh, for sure. That's you got to sift through that. That's where we come in. That's the filter screen, right? Yeah. We are a filter. All we are is a filter screen for information, right? And it's how we use it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Getting like deep here, but uh, it's it. I think we talked about this when, I, when we're eating lunch. Yeah. Like you can't, you cannot consume all of the information there is out there now. No. Like it's just an endless amount. I kind of stopped. It's to be honest with you, I kind of stopped. So what do you say? So if you're gonna watch a YouTube fishing video, what do you watch? I know, I know what I'm looking at. I know what I'm watching. I'm looking for something specific that I'm looking for at that time, or I'm watching something just that I enjoy. Like, you know, I'll watch Sobe, or I'll watch Wheeler, or I'll I like watch... Sobe. Yep. So, I don't really watch Wheeler anymore. I don't either. I don't, I don't watch either. Scott Martin anymore. I don't... Those are entertainment value productions, I feel like. Yeah. So, I'm watching, like... I watch, I watch all of Monia's videos... Even yep. though he's not fishing, Moines. but he's talking through his thoughts, right? I love that. Huh? His half-hour-long rants are awesome. Yeah, but he's, he's let you know what he's thinking, why he's thinking that way, what happened, and breaking it down. I watch Todd Castleline. He's pretty negative. But he's I, a little negative, but... I, I watch some of his stuff. I, I want to watch people actually fishing, but not, not making a video. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It's almost like... Bassmaster Live versus... Yes. Versus the, the TV show. Yep. yep. Watching the, the live coverage of them not catching of, of that, like how it's going through their brain. I watch all of the Bassmaster Live. I, wa I watched every day of the Red Crest, but I will not watch the actual Red Crest show when it airs. And I will not watch Bassmaster when it airs. Because all the information I want to know, I've already seen. Right. You know? Right. I'm right. Not, I used to watch for entertainment purposes, but now there's, I've watched so much of it, it almost feels like BS. So now I'm watching... The guys that are actually fishing and sure. what are they doing? Like, I, I actually watch a lot of Ben Milliken, which I know a lot of people probably don't like him. No, I, I but I mean, I'm I'm indifferent. A lot of his videos, he's just sitting there fishing and talking you through what he's thinking and what he's doing as he's catching these fish, and he's showing you live scope screenshots and recordings, and you can watch how his fish are reacting to his his baits, what baits he's throwing, what he's doing, like. Right. I watch a lot of that. Like I, I'm watching fishing videos as their people are fishing, like like a live, like a Bassmaster live. That's yep. I've been doing that for like the last year and a half, and I, I kind of got away from the entertainment side of it. Like when it first, when like 
the, like the travel vlogs come out with like Scott Martin, all the guys yep. first started doing all that stuff and people yep. were recording their journey along the way. That stuff was awesome, you know? There's so much of it. At your so level, though, you're at the level of I'm looking for the edge. I'm looking I'm for look- tidbits. Yes, yeah. Yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think hopefully our podcast kind of showcases that. I, I, I like to think of our podcast as like the Bassmaster Live podcast because yeah. it's, it's longer. It's, it's maybe not as we don't pack it all into 45 minutes. But, but things get little things get leaked out. Yep. Like yep. after I leave, I'm like. I should have never said that. Well, hey, <laughs> all you got to say is cut this out, uh, cut that out, and uh, the last thing I want to do is piss our guests off. So, but when you're talking, you know, like you get comfortable. That's when you know people say things, and that's what that and that is what I am looking for when I'm watching content. But there's little things that come out, and like what we're talking about, that maybe aren't like a, hey, go here, throw this. It's more so like you're learning how the person thinks. Exactly. You're learning, you know, those types of mm-hmm. things. Bassmaster Live. Like, like this morning, we were talking about in there about glide bait fishing. We yeah. talked about on the podcast how I was saying, like, when you're, when you're going to watch a Red Crest on TV, yep. all you're going to see when they make the production side, the video of it, is you're going to see glide bait, glide bait, mag draft, mag draft. Yep. Catch, fish, catch, fish, catch. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yep. But what you're not seeing is Edwin Evers just missed four in a row <laughs> before he caught one. You're not going to see Adrian Avina is halfway through his day. He's four hours into the tournament. He has zero fish, and he finally caught his first one, and it was a pound and a half. Or he's been throwing a glide bait all day. Right. And he says, it's so frustrating because I've seen 40 or 50 fish follow my glide bait today. So You don't this- learn how to actually do it from those events. You don't learn like, hey, this could happen. Hey, yeah. this could happen. Hey, Steve Kennedy, on the last day, they didn't eat a frog. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I felt so bad. You know? I was really rooting for him. Oh, me too. Nobody I, wa- I mean, I wanted to see him do uh, that, but... But it's like, I don't know. It's, it's like, it's part of the reason why I don't like Facebook and social media. Yeah. Because people see, you, people see, or people are posting what they want you to see. And it's not always real, you know? What do you get from it? Like, what, what, what is there to take? I'm the same way. If. If we didn't have a podcast or I didn't tournament, like I do tournament fishing updates and I post about the podcast, but not a Facebook, Instagram hero guy, because what do you learn from pictures? Hey, he caught some big bass. Nothing. That's it. Nothing. Facebook and Instagram is a a marketing tool, in my opinion. It's a look at me. Look what I caught. Hey, we have a podcast coming out. Hey, we have, hey, I want a boat. Hey, (laughs) uh, you know. I really, um, I really don't like social media at all. Like if, if if I didn't have to have a social media account, I probably wouldn't. And I didn't forever. I just opened mine what a year and a half ago. Right. Started one. How's that been going? Good. I, mean, I have no idea. What's good? I have a thousand followers. That's probably nothing. That's pretty good <laughs> for how long you've been having it. But and I and the thing is, I try to be real. Like I don't like. That's key. I don't know. Like when I'm posting, I truly believe. Like if I'm posting, like oh, like I went and blasted them on. A, northland tackle frog today like i truly did right you know like i'm not i'm not creating which a lot of people are that's why i don't like facebook because i don't, don't feel like it's real you know i understand that but i think you're one of the realest dudes out there and i think that is a good testament to any sponsor you do have and any sponsor you've gained is is you truly believe in that product mm-hmm. before you approach them or before they approach you and I was going to touch on this. I noticed uh, you picked up Relevant, which... I did not. 
Oh. No. I just like their sunglasses. <laughs> well, good. No. No, I did not. I did not pick. I, I talked with them a little bit, but, you know, it's just, I don't know. Just never come to terms on anything. I, I mean. they. I love their sunglasses. I'm going to be wearing their sunglasses all year long. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, they're not my sponsor. No, I just, I like what I like. You know, I, yeah. made, I made a post about VMC the other day. I'm not I sponsored by VMC. Redline hooks? I just love VMC hooks. Like I, like pre pre redline, pre redline. Yeah, I am like ninety percent VMC. See, I like them, but I bend them. That Good. Nico hook, I bend it. What size are you using? The number two. Or, number two or number one? That's just me. Hmm. That's just me. I use the B10 Stinger instead because I feel it's just as sharp, and I don't bend it out. Now these redline hooks, I'm curious about because I bought a whole pile of them. There. They look they look phenomenal. I mean, if you're using VMC, obviously it's all in my head because it works. I, I, I'm 90% VMC, 5% um, Aaron Martin's G Finesse, and 5% Ichikawa. Yeah, I will. Mm, them Ichi, them Ichikawas are you and you turn me on to those. Like Brad had been, he been, oh, you gotta, you gotta try, try, gotta try, gotta try. Then I bought some of their flipping hooks. I did not like them. I, I've never tried their flipping hooks. I straightened every single one out. Right I believe away. that. Boom, boom, boom. Straightened, straightened, straightened. Never never run their flipping hooks. Their treble hooks are Trebles the deal. Trebles are the deal. Yeah. For sure. So then VMC come out with their red lines. So the reason why I ran VMC trebles, yep. I run them on, on my bagleys, my B1s and my B2s. Yep. Because yep. when I'm square bill on your square bill and lay downs, cover, yep. usually I run, excuse me, I run heavier line. Yep. So that I can really lean on them. And they're, right. hot, they're high bred short shanks, you won't straighten them out. Huh. So you can really lean on that fish, and you can control that fish, sure, and get them away. Which I don't think you, could, you probably want to straighten on Ichikawa ones that I've used. See, and I, when it comes to VNC, the only hook I've straightened out or had the Nico is a Nico one. I've done a few of them, but not many. But if you're not yank on them, you probably never straighten one out. You know, I lost a big one in a tournament because I straightened one out, but I was really leaning on them hard too. Sure, but I thought it was. I thought it was odd that I straighten the hooks. I hardly ever do. But and it's just a preference thing, you know. It's like, and that goes back to practicing and what rods you use and what baits you use. And what, like, it all is what works for you. And what can you, can you find your niche that, and you can you hone in on that and make, dial in. Yep. Figure out what works for you. Like, I like to punch mats and, Flip. I like to flip milfoil with a really heavy rod, you know. Like, yep. And like fighter, he likes a seven foot medium heavy. Right. Right. I, I want to move line and move that fish. Yeah, you want heavy. And when I'm casting a jig, I want a seven foot heavy or seven six heavy. Sure. Like some guys like a seven two medium heavy. I can't stand throwing a jig on a seven two medium heavy. Depends on the jig for me. I'm a little weird. And like me, like a lot of guys like throwing jig worms on a seven foot medium spinning mm-hmm. rod mm-hmm. i use any whenever i grab any spinning rod ever there's always seven foot medium light mm. it's, it's just what i like it's yep every person's different so if i say hey you need to go buy this seven six heavy casting rod to throw uh roller jigs on or what to throw this jig on you know and then you get it it might not work for you you might not like it you know like right. it, it all depends on you got to find what works for you you got to find your zone your practice method yep whatever works you know just your style your your deal vmc i love vmc because it works for me that's what the hook that i've landed on over all these years yeah now they come out with the nano coating hooks yeah it helps. so i'm excited about them but i like them because i tend to lean on heavier rods and heavier line yep 
and their their hooks tend to be a heavier gauge heavier hook. gauge yep yep and you it's really hard time bending them out right as far as like a casting hook where to go you know but yep. you talk yep. about bending a nico hook that's the only one i bent so i can't really i can't really talk besides that so that's why i landed on vmc i like to use heavier rods heavier line vmc has a stouter hook than most brands out there right i hardly ever lose fish hardly ever and so that's just where i landed you know well and you're the type of guy who who spends a lot of time on hookup ratio i remember us mm-hmm. talking about that it's a huge the last deal. podcast is you know hookup ratio is a big deal mm-hmm. you win or lose a tournament on it yeah i've i can i can relate with that mm-hmm. for sure for sure how many fish did you lose on goal five five you would have won you lost fish too though two okay I broke one and lost one. I don't ever break fish off. If there's anything I've learned just interviewing good guys like you, it's, yeah, I can try to be Noah Schultz, but I'll never be as, I'll never be Noah Schultz better than Noah Schultz. Well, I, just, I, I, just went, I talked about 10 minutes ago. Like, you got to find what works for you. Bingo. Like, bingo. What We're holding on on what you're really good at. Like, I'm good at a few things, but I try to be like okay at other things so i can lean on them too if i have to. right right but if i ever get like into like a there's ever a tournament where it's a a pad or punching mats or punching re- or flipping reeds thing like right it's gonna go down that's your deal <laughs> that's i that is what i really excel at and glide bait fishing and i feel like i used to think i was really good at grass fishing but i just feel like over the years i just feel like i'm i've Back home, I excel at fishing heavy cover. Like, heavy, heavy. Heavy, heavy, heavy. Like, and I will, uh, I won so much money doing that back home too. Like, it's, I can go behind people all day long and have 100% confidence, even though they're right in front of me doing the same thing that I will fucking. And I feel that way, the opposite of heavy cover, like fishing offshore for largemouth, less now than it used to be, used to feel a lot better. Uh, and then certain smallmouth bites, if I'm on a certain smallmouth bite, I feel like I, you feel like you have an edge or, or something like that. Still fucking get me. I don't fish them. Like a lot of people fish them. A lot of people fish a smallmouth. I think a lot faster than I do. And that's my greatest blessing and curse with smallmouth. Really? Yeah. I think so one thing I need to work on is power fishing. Cause if don't you ever, we all? If you're you a good power fisherman. But I would see what do you consider power? I, I, me, I consider you power. You banging docks to me is power fishing and winning and a boat in another event. I mean, that's power. Like, you won power fishing this year. See, I, I consider that like bottom fishing. But that's okay. power. That's Greg Hackney okay. power fishing. Chunking and whining. There we go. That's what I meant. Gotcha. Chunking yeah. and whining. Me too. That's So that's my num- Along with forward-facing sonar, that's my number one thing to build upon is, is whining yep. this year. There's certain... There's days or events I feel great winding, and then, like, that one on the river tells me I need to learn more about winding. Like, that particular I think that event. was a timing deal. Probably, but you I think... You could probably go out of cut mode now. No, dude. We already <laughs> talked about this. We're back, in, we're, back oh, in, yeah. we're back in the game. Like, the fact that you fished a finesse crankbait, you know, behind me. So, like, those little things like that, like winding... There's a reason KVD is the best winder and Rick Klun, like, you know, they know those little nuances, those little tweaks. Yeah. And um, the A-Rig is something I need to throw more. Me too. I, I think, I'm still learning about it. Me too. Like, I didn't, like, the Malax video shows me catching a lot of fish on an A-Rig, which I did. The last 
hour and a half. Sure. But there's a big chunk that nobody's seen, and that was I caught a lot of fish on that square bill. They show one, but I caught quite a few fish on that square bill. Well, it's funny you say that because, like, the Champions Tour video on Gull, there was a lot of fish I caught that the camera wasn't in the boat that <laughs> looked a hell of a lot better than when the camera was in the boat. But it's funny you say that because I was on Mille Lacs filming a deal for um, the Mille Lacs Smallmouth Alliance this October. And just you, for whatever reason, you rang in my head, and I started throwing an A-rig and a swim bait, and it just wasn't going. So I ended up catching them on a tube and whacking their eyes out on a tube. But it's just you can't have preconceived notions nope. on how it's going to go down. You and you have to have how many options. You don't want to have too many options, though. Like, that's the thing is the sea. I mean, as far as the sea goes, you have 100 options, 200 options that are viable mm-hmm. on any lake you go to. Yeah. How like what's your what's your limit as far as how many options you're gonna allow your mind to bring to the table? That's one thing I think I do really good at is I can look at a lake we're gonna go to and I can say, Okay, I'm gonna explore these seven, eight things. Yep. And I'm gonna put everyone's doc talk and everything out of my mind. And I'm gonna find and I'm gonna hone in on these small group of things that I'm good at. Yep. Yep. And ignore the rest of the bullshit. That's, I, I think I'm good at that. Sure. So how many things is that? Is that seven things? Is that five things? Is that ten things? If it's Brian Thrift, it's, no, it's ten lot. things on each side of the yeah. deck, right? I would say a, a tip. Like you might see me with 20 rods out sometime. Uh-huh. But honestly, there's probably five things. I'm actually. Yeah, you have five of each thing. You have only five things on 20 rods. Yes. Okay. Or there's like five things I'm actually confident in. You've got, you have five A and B, call them A and B. Those other rods might be for this one scenario where I make one cast and then put it back and I don't ever touch it again. Brian Thrift would agree with that. Like, so I there's, mean, if I, I can, like whitefish, there's already one, two, three, four things that I'm, confident that I'm going to have success with. Mm-hmm. Not saying I'm going to win, but I'm confident that if I'm going to have a good tournament, this is how I'm going to catch them because sure. of how the lake sets up. Yep. You know, yep. same yep. with Lahama do. Big Stone, how the lake sets up, there's certain things I'm going to go there and try to do. Right. I'm not going to beat it to death for five days straight in practice. Right. And I'm going to keep other things, you know, like keep checking them just to see. That's another thing too, like, like, um, Pokegama, perfect example. Yeah. I had no. I've never fished a suspended fish in my life until I went to Pokegama. Sure. I didn't know what base chasers were. Yeah. In southern Minnesota, I fish sloughs. Yeah. No, you I know, fish bullhead waters. I had no idea what suspended fish were. Like I just, what, what's this? Everyone's talking about these smelt, the smelt out here, and they're getting bait balls. I just keep hearing all the stuff, and I'm like, all right, well, you out there. Yeah. So yeah. I just, I just like trucking an a rigger on one of the days, and boom, I catch one. I'm like, okay, so I'm starting. What, what, what does this look like? Why was it here? You know, and boom, catch another one. Go another place. What's this look like? Boom, catch another one. So I start to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Yep. I'm starting to pattern these fish in practice. Yep. But I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. But being able to adapt when you need to adapt. Yep. Yep. Like if I wasn't open minded and saying, I'm going to go there and I'm going to flip milk foil. Right. And I'm going to fish docks all day. 
and that's how I'm going to force my tournament. Not sure. I never fished a suspended fish in my life. Right. I didn't know what I was doing, but I tried it. I figured it out, and I was able to learn and practice, and I put it together in a tournament. And that's why I caught a bulk of my weight was fishing smallmouth over 30, 40 foot of water. You know, sure. like so. Like going into that event, right? You you had maybe never fished suspended fish. It was new to you, mm-hmm. but you knew it could play. Yeah. So going into it, you're like, okay this could play i'm gonna try this now most people when they say i'm gonna try something they fucking lick their finger hold it up throw five casts and say nope <laughs> nope i don't want to do this anymore how long did you spend doing it because because you knew it could be a factor because it's like a jerk bait I'm a three and out jerk baiter, but I know that's my biggest mistake with jerk bait fishing is not keeping it in my hand long enough. There's certain baits, a glide bait, a swim bait, uh, blah, 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 yeah. that take a little bit of commitment. That's the problem. Well, I, I think I got lucky on Pokegama. Yeah, sure. I think sure. Uh, during practice, I pulled up the first point on the lake. So I grabbed my drop shot and I'm just fishing the weed line. Doink, four pound smallmouth. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, but guess what I get? Doink, four pound smallmouth. I'm like, oh my God. So I just write it off, start fishing around, fishing pencil reef, catch some, catch some largies, and I'm like, I should go back over there. Just kind of fuck around. Chuck an air rig, but stay off, you know? Sure. Stay off. Just kind of look around, kind of. There was fish in that area. Let me see if I can catch them this way type mm-hmm. of thing. But the wind was blowing in there, too. Well, that helps. So that's what I started to learn. Sure. Was It was very wind-driven. And I learned that very quickly because once I realized that those smallmouth were there because of the wind, then I could like, okay, well, let's go see where else I can go. That's wind driven. And all of a sudden, doink. And I was like, I was calling my shots and I'm like, holy shit. Okay. I can do this. You right, know, like this right. isn't as hard as those guys make it seem, you know? Right. Like, but it wasn't fucking easy. But like, the, the hardest, the biggest hurdle for me to get over was that I wasn't fishing anything. Right. That's, Soft structure. Yes. It's like structure that moves. You're not fishing. You're not casting it as a said target on the bottom that is stationary. Right. That was the biggest hurdle for me mentally to get over was to keep in mind that I could cast 360 degrees around my boat. And it all depended on where the bait was, you know, and that's, yep. that was the biggest hurdle for me to get over. With. Well, it's not, it's, it's a river, but it's not like main Lake Pokegama. It's not a river, but it's pelagic. Mm-hmm. So, the only thing so you've got a a food chain, right? A circle of life, if you will, a circle of life, if you will, right? And there, hey, anything's fair game. You get you a foggy geezer, you get you a space, space dust, dust, whatever. Um, you got an opener. Shit, I used the lighter for the last one. Just like old times. It's been a while. Uh, so. Got him. Got him. So you talk about the circle of life. What do the bait that the bass eat on Pokegama, let's say, is a plankton probably of some sort, mm-hmm. right? A, a, an organism that would take a microscope or whatever to see that is easily moved by wind. wind. <laughs> or, you know, if it was a river, it would be ever-moving plankton south. Yep. The plankton's always moving south, so to speak, on a river with these pelagic lakes. With Pokegama, there is no current. 
so to speak, there is, is called wind. That's it. So it's ever changing. It's ever. And that is to me, why lakes can be really challenging to say like a river angler. I hate rivers and see a river angler would be the complete opposite of that because they understand the wind is moving one direction. Well, wind obviously plays on a river. We, we found that out the last podcast. It could could have been wind or could just been the change in the pressure. Like, but either way, the wind plus the current was pushing them here. Mm -hmm. You have a, you have at least a constant, which is the the river flows X. So then the only variable is water level, Mm -hmm. which lakes don't have. So lakes don't have as much of water level variable, but they have a wind variable because it could be blown X way, but it could be like the current could be going the opposite direction the next day. And Vermilion's a very wind driven lake that way Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And it's weird. I was talking to fighter last week and he was talking about a spot on Tonka that, you know, was really good with a North wind and how him and figgy drove like, Two hours or, you know, idled this insane amount of time. They made this insane amount of adjustment because of one small switch in the wind for like an hour. And they only had like 10 to 20 minutes on this spot. And it was like a five mile an hour north wind. That's it. (laughs) And sounds like they lost a couple big ones, but it was like, that's all it took. Uh, And that's, that's great. You know, that's, it is so true. And that is probably one of the hardest things for a tournament angler oh, fuck. to understand and get over. Right. Is like Pokegama. Like I, I can give you tons of examples throughout the Champions Tour history. And that's the one thing the Champions Tour has taught me too. Is back home, yep. they are spot lakes. They're spots. We have a thousand acres. Yep. These fish live where they live. It, it, they're they not, live here. They're kind of wind driven, but they are spot lakes. Not wind. Yeah, not as wind driven as Pokegama for so, sure. And I learned, I did that very quickly, but it's like Pokegama, tournament day, second half, I'm barreling out, and the wind's pounding, I'm like, just driving, hey, this point fits the pattern, pull in, haven't fished this point in my life. Boom, 4.15, smally. Damn. Oh, I'm like, nice. <laughs> That'll work. Long story short, caught a couple more along the way, and then my more batteries died. So now I'm like, okay, I can't fish this wind-driven stuff anymore, I'm out of juice. Trying to think, what can I do? I know what I can do. I can go fish for largemouth, right? But that bite has been horrible. Sure. I went, I pr- practiced this stretch that had some good shallow vegetation. Practiced it. It looked phenomenal in practice. Never had a bite. But I'm like, I know there's got to be fish there. Yep. Like, I have to go there and check it. And just, just because I didn't get bit in practice, I still went there. Like, most people wouldn't go because they didn't get bit. I love it. Yeah, those are the best spots. I went there, and I caught, like, 10. I won the tournament by, like, 15 pounds. <laughs> Dude, I, I was going to get something, but you made me think of, like, I I personally believe that I've become an angler, a better angler trying to understand practice when I'm at a spot, how it would act, how I would fish it if the weather was different. How I would fish it if the conditions are different. Dane and I have won a few events doing that, right? Where, like, on Tonka practice, it was sunny the whole event. And I had a bad practice. Dane had a good practice. And then tournament day, it was cloudy. And then all of a sudden, it was like the stuff I practiced was better than the stuff Dane practiced, aside from a couple spots. 
because that weather had changed and we like and then the river like any event we've done good in like looking back it's it's fishing the spot like we didn't practice the spot or maybe we practiced the area but we didn't practice you know we didn't catch them where we caught them mm-hmm. we practiced it didn't catch them but the the weather or something was different tournament day you made the adjustment and it was like yeah we didn't catch them here but it wasn't like this this and this we need to go here right now mm-hmm. and like we go catch a four pounder <laughs> like kind of stupid shit like that that's, it, that's one thing I'm, i am learning more and more and more is how much weather like especially with these bigger bodies of water is how much weather can move these fish. Yeah. Like that's, that really blew my mind a few years back. Like I said, I was so used to fishing spots. We'd sit on a rock pile all day long in a tournament. Yep. Yep. But you get to a big body of water, these fish move. They don't, like they, they don't live on a certain ping pong table size spot. Well, they might live in this garage, right? But they don't come feed at the ping pong table. Until until it's time. Until it's time, mm-hmm. right? Let's say the ping pong table's rocks, okay? And then let's say there's grass around the ping pong table. Well, when it's cloudy, they're probably going to be on that ping pong table maybe because, you know, yep. uh, if it's cloudy, they might be in that grass. Or if it's sunny, they might be, be in, in that grass more or whatever. What it kind of goes back to like the gull hall. I said I was, in the morning, I was fishing the weed line. Yep. It was kind of cloudy in the morning, gloomy. It was. It was. It was. Those fish were not there. Fish were not there, but they should be there. I didn't bust them as good as I thought I was going to bust them. They should have them. been there, but I'm like, they have to be either in the grass a little deeper or they have to be up on the bank because it was pretty close to the bank. Yep. But, but it wasn't sunny, so it, in in the Bass Bass Magazine, the yep. Bass Fishing Guidebook, they yep. should not be in those docks, right? No, they shouldn't have been. I caught one on them, but... But I slid in and... Boom, there they were. Boom, 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 boom. That was in the morning. Yep, that's crazy. It's like... You picked a good stretch. It's just so weird how it all... It's hard. Like You you, you think you know. You think you got things dialed. Like The sun should drive them under the docks. But then there's that one day where it's really cloudy and rainy and shitty. And then they're there on the docks. You know, it's like... It's it's always keeping an open mind, always kind of testing things as you go, you know. Staying like, positive, testing negative, yeah, if yep. you will. And, like, the same reason you're right is the same reason you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, we think we know all the stuff about fish, how they're going to act, but at the same, same time, it's like, we get proven wrong all the time. Well, they're, <laughs> like, those fish, they're 10 steps ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Like, think about it. That, like, when you, it, it'd be like if we lived in the woods all the time. Let's say we're Native Americans. And we're living in the woods all the time. We're, we're not living in these heated houses. We're living in the woods in the cold. We're making a fire to stay warm. We are going to adapt to nature and the changes of nature a lot quicker than humans have been yeah. like trained to do. Those fish, there's a pressure change. They feel it because mm-hmm. they've been immersed in it their whole life. Yep. They've spent five minutes outside the water when Noah caught them, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Those fish, they're trained by the weather, by the mm. pressure, by all of these facets that we don't necessarily immerse ourselves in. We live in a house, a warm house, and we 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 separate ourselves from nature, so to speak. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. This is, but like tournament angler, like you, you reimmerse yourself and you you allow yourself to change with the environment, with the bass. You allow yourself to listen to nature. You have if you, I should say you have to if you want to be consistent. You have to. Yes. Yes, you can win tournaments off practices. Yes, you can be successful. But if you want to consistently do well, you gotta be willing to flip on a dime and forget what you think you know. You that, can win tournaments can talking to bass, but you'll win more tournaments listening to bass. Yes. Is that a good yes. way to put yes. it? Mm-hmm. You can exactly. win some tournaments talking to the bass, but you'll win more mm-hmm. listening to the bass. And you, to me, are the epitome. Matt Thompson said it best, trusting your fishbone. Yeah. But a fishbone is tough because it's a developed. A fishbone is a muscle. So, like, what is a fishbone? We should we should get into that because to me, it's the memories. Fish, is it memories? Is it gut? Because memories will burn you, Noah. But with memories is what drives your gut. Correct. So it's a balance of that. Mm-hmm. It's a balance of not letting memories haunt you, but letting memories teach. I you. shouldn't say memories. I should say experiences. Great. Yeah. 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 Because so, you think tournament fishing is just like a numbers game, right? So if you think go like example, perfect example. I was I was just getting ready to go offshore because the clouds were thick and gray and it was kinda dark and it was kinda gloomy. But I was just getting enough bites on the shallow docks. I just had to check them quick. I was getting enough bites just to keep me in the hunt. And that sun popped. So my experience in the past has told me when sun pops, yep. sun gets really bright and hot, these fish are going to slide into these docks. Yep. So I'm like, well, in the past, X amount of times, I've done well when it's been really bright and sunny. So I'm going to give these docks one more shot before I peel out of here. Right. And that one more shot was <laughs> enough information for me to know, like, hey, this is what I need to do to win. You know? Right. Like, and same with serpent, like, I've had enough experience with Mega Live now to read the fish's mood, even though it was still practice. Yep. That I was getting enough feedback from smallmouth offshore to know that was a losing deal. Not to take anything away from Hunter. It was a winning deal, but it was also It was gonna go away. Yeah, it, it was a it short away. window. It was a very short window. He capitalized, like he did, I did it was it, it was a, I was pretty cool. It was multiple things. It was it was a losing I shouldn't say losing deal. It was a deal that was going away fast yep. throughout the day. And you had how many anglers on that small body of water? 90% of them were going to fish some smallmouth, and I knew that because it was the obvious choice. Yep. And the structure was obvious. Yeah, there's plenty of it, too. So and you're I, living on all of it. I knew to win that tournament doing that, you had to get on a spot. You had to capitalize early, like he did. And I really thought, I thought he was going to win. Oh, I mean, he, he had everybody by... He blasted him in the morning. Blasted him. I'm like, well, this is his. He did what he needed to do. Yep. And I didn't think I could do that. So I didn't try to do that, you know. But imagine catching him that good. How is it? How, how do you that do was, anything different? That was his downfall. Bingo, right? Your yeah. greatest, like it's a double-edged sword fishing. Your greatest freaking, well, it's like me offshore on mm-hmm. goal. Same thing. Not the same. I didn't blow the doors off like he did. Like, he blew him up. Like his double-edged sword was aggressively was, good one way and aggressively. I was bad telling the everybody at break, Hunter's going to win this boat. There's ain't nobody going to catch him. This is, I mean, this is Hunter's boat. You know. I'll be honest. I don't think anyone saw anyone catching him. No, like I, I didn't. I did not see anybody else winning but him. But it's 
the day developed and things changed and experiences like we go go back to talking about not memories but experiences so i didn't have any memories on that lake yeah but things have passed have told me sun's getting high lake is slicked off the offshore clear, bite died for sure clear water lake you have shallow shallow vegetation shallow cover these fish are going to start to look for shade and cover they're going to come up and pull up and that's what they did and that is what they did and i didn't it's not like I just, oh, I'm going to go pull up shallow, and here they are. It's like I checked that shallow butt like four different times throughout the day. Like I kept checking and checking, waiting to see if those fish were going to come up. And I didn't practice that way, which is the craziest thing, you know, because I didn't think it could be won that way. Not that it was won that way, but it it, it contributed. Actually, sure. when, when things went dead for everybody at the end of the day and there was no other options left, that was the obvious option, if that makes sense. Yeah, and, and it makes me kind of get a little selfish with the gull thing because I feel like I checked. So I checked the docks, what I felt like was as honest as you could check them. And to your point about, like, I kept checking it, I kept checking it, I kept checking it. Huh. There was a point on gull where I stopped checking it because I was leading or and because I was, At the end of know, the day, it really fired. <laughs> bingo. And, like, it seemed like based on our conversations is like I was doing the doc thing when you weren't. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. To an ex to an extent. You were up on the bank it, and I was checking my offshore fish. But like I I feel like we gave I gave the docs a good I mean the champions tour I probably spent three hours of the champions tour really? on the docks. I didn't make that didn't make the at least two hours. At all. No, but I only caught three fish on them. See, that was the problem. Gave him a fair shake, then. I, I felt maybe like that I was did. your demise. So in practice, it was like, okay, I got this offshore deal going, and then, attention, all smallmouth anglers. Have you thrown the marabou jig? Have you thrown the hair jig? Well, if you have, you're going to want to listen right now. This podcast is brought to you by Veselka Fishing and Customs, a custom rod shop based out of Minnesota, and he has developed the answer, folks. What if I told you you could throw that marabou jig 30 to 50% further than you're casting it right now? Well, the well, Dane, Mr. Veselka himself, has developed the answer. It's a custom 8-foot hair jig rod developed on a steelhead fly blank. He's put custom fly guides on this, so you're really going to be able to outcast the competition, catch more smallmouth. They aren't going to see you. What more do you need? Here's what I need you to do right now. Visit VeselkaFishing.com. That's V-O-C-E-L-K-A Fishing.com. This is the 8-foot hair jig rod, but this guy can build you anything you want. If you can dream it, he can do it. This episode is brought to you by Just North of Memphis Barbecue. This is world champion barbecue. If you smoke meat, and you don't like good barbecue, I do not know what to tell you right now besides you need to try some of this stuff. They've got their rub. They've got their sauces right on their website. They've got their famous dry rub award-winning seasoning that you can put on ribs, brisket, pulled pork, chicken, wings, anything you like to put on the smoker, on the oven, on the grill, any meat you like to cook. You need some of this dry rub seasoning in your life. But don't forget the sauce because that's award-winning world champion sauce here. No matter what flavor you like, they've got three different sauces and they are all good. You can drink them straight out the bottle. 
We've got Sweet Christie's for all you sweet loving barbecue folk. We've got Christie's Mischief for all you spicy bass anglers out there. And then we've got Christie's Gold. And they'll sell all three of them in a combo. But you need to go to their website right now. It's jnomemphis.com. That's jnomemphis.com. Dry rub, sauce, barbecue. Let's go! And there was that day of practice where it was just slick and sunny and calm. And I'm like, this offshore deal is not going. And I got a really good dock program going that day. Okay. That was the same day I figured out some good stretches too. And then the last day of practice, it was cloudy and kind of shitty. So I'm like, I remember that day. So the only thing I don't have figured out is this in between deal. So I'm going to spend this whole day of practice getting confidence in an in-between deal in case it's cloudy. I could not figure that out. I put a chatterbait in my hand and a crankbait in my hand, and I caught him. See, I was flipping. I'm not a winder. Why would you flip when it's cloudy? That's no, my I, question I was flipping, to you. I was flipping when it was sunny. That makes sense. Yes. Flipping when it's sunny makes sense, but that last day of practice, it was cloudy. So it mm-hmm. was like, how do I... Last day of practice, I was fishing offshore, looking for more schools. And see, for me, I'd found those schools. Like, I think I caught one fish like, all day. <laughs> I need to leave. I have so much. I have enough offshore shit to do. I can't do that. But it's cloudy, so I'm not gonna like. I don't need to go bang dots. I never thought so. of winding. I was, I was bottom baits all the way, or flipping milfoil, or skipping docks. That's what my, that was my my practice game was. It's funny that winding day when it was cloudy. I put that chatterbait in my hand and I catch a four I to know, four and a half. Saying. You're kidding. <sighs> Giants. But I wouldn't catch them in the same. I'd go a hundred more yards and I'd catch another one. But tournament day, I couldn't get them to eat the chatterbait. I get them on a crankbait. I take that back. I did do some cranking in practice. Okay. I, I did do some cranking in practice. I was actually throwing, I was cranking the deep edge and I was throwing a vaguely DB2. Mm. I don't know if you've tried throwing that in grass. Have you tried throwing that in grass? No. It reminds me of wiggle wart. That good, huh? Big old, big wide. I suppose. It like pushes the grass out of yep. the way. Yeah, yeah. It comes through the grass real well. So I was doing that in practice. Actually, it comes out of it good. Yeah, yeah. It's clean. It, yep. it reminds me of a wiggle work because it's got such a big wide wobble to it. Yep. And I actually caught quite a few fish and practiced on it, but I just the I don't know. I didn't even throw it in the tournament. I just didn't. I didn't feel like I ran into a scenario where it, I could do it. It makes sense. Yeah. I had it on my deck, but I don't think I ever threw it. I had one little plug that is like only place I've ever caught fish on it is Gull Lake. The only place I've ever thrown it is Gull Lake. But I, when I, I throw I it, it I got bit. And that's all I remembered it. So that last day of practice, I'm like, geez, when Dane and I were practicing for team trail, I would just get a just a pile of bites on this. They just weren't five fish fish. So I'm like, I, you know, throw it and I catch a two pounder. Throw to catch two pounder. I'm like, oh sh. Then you caught that good one. I'm gonna get bites on this. <laughs> so tournament day, I never caught a big one on it, and my first fish on it was a three something. I'm like, oh. Sweet. I remember. That. I like. I didn't think the big ones ate this. No, thing. <laughs> I really didn't. I really didn't oh, think I could get funny. a big bite on a crankbait. But it's weird how that works, though. Like just thinking about it. It's such a voodoo. It's such a mentally hard sport to to conquer and there's so few of people who've done it and i think there's a reason people resonate with with you and your story and i think it's the the story of noah schultz is a little bit of an underdog story yeah and i think everybody can relate with a good underdog story but just 
I'm proud of you, man. I'm, uh, I'm proud of thank you. Thank you, sir. At the end of the day, um, you've won. You've done things that you're you're the hottest angler in the state of Minnesota, hands down over the past however many years, and I. I hope you're still mad at them, and I think oh, everybody here more mad now than ever knows what you got. Like I, I want it. Like I said in the beginning, I want to win more than I ever had before. Now, that's cool, man. Like it's that drives me. The more I win, the more I want it, and I, yeah. I cannot. It's almost like being an alcoholic. It's like you just can't get enough. You crave more and more and more, and your tolerance gets higher and higher. You just want more and more. I get too hungover to be an alcoholic, but that. <laughs> the the high of feeling a tournament win i can relate with you on that sense where winning a tournament it. is the most addicting thing in the world and it turns us us anglers all of us into crackheads mm -hmm. and the the losses motivate you they do mm -hmm. the wins motivate you the losses motivate you once you feel that taste of you want more of skeeter boat <laughs> i've never felt that taste <laughs> I felt the taste of wins, and I've felt wins, and I've felt close to wins, and I mean, sex is great and all, but there's no better feeling in the world than than winning a derby. Or Sorry, hon, but I would, I would I would like, trade it for a trophy any day. Yeah, Jenny. <laughs> oh, that's so she. Funny. She knows that already. Anyways, she knows how addicted I am. She married me, dude. She's cool, man. Like, I know you say she's she can growl at you sometimes, but at the end of the day. That's part of me, though. That's part of you. and That's part of the motivation. She knows what's in your blood, and she supports it. Mm -hmm. And We just got to get her on board for the Opens. I want to hear about this camper. Like, oh, fuck. This fucking camper sounds sounds like the Chateau de Camper of yeah. campers. Like, So you sold the boat and bought a camper? Or like Sold the boat and bought a camper. Sold the boat, bought a camper. Wanted to buy a Vexus. We'll get there. Happy wife, happy life. Imagine how I'm, much... I'm calling you out on this one, uh, Jenna. I'm just saying, Noah, how much money would have, like, you'd have, you'd have won 20 extra thousand bucks this year in a Vexus. You think I thought about a Vexus four years ago? <laughs> I did think about that. I, I think me and a buddy were thinking about that one day. Like, can you imagine if Noah would have bought a Vexus, like, at the beginning of his, <sighs> like, holy smokes. He'd have, he'd have paid for two Vexuses like, yeah. from that. And it's not just Champions Tour, too. It's, like, all the other big tournaments. Right, right. But it's it's one of those things like it, what scares me about a Vexus. There's no offense to Vexus, is how long will that program be around? That's a lot of money they're giving away. It is. They're like they're. That's that's the best contingency out there, period. I think there's only one guy who would end Vexus contingency, and it would have been you. <laughs> but being the fact that you didn't buy a Vexus four years ago, to me tells me that. You know, it's going to be around for a while longer. <laughs> <laughs> I just, that, that, that's, is, I don't know. My family comes first. My family comes first. It's the ability to bring my kids with, so I'm not, not with them, you know? Because, mm -hmm. like, we'd look at last year and just, run, I, I just did my taxes and run through the numbers and all stuff last year. We were on the road, like, for the better part of three months last year. Sure. That's a lot of time away from my kids. You know, for sure. Well, but, did they come to every event or every event, every single event? They wouldn't come the entire time. I would, yep. I would go up first in some little shit dive motel. Yep. And then they would come up like two days, two days or a day prior to the event. And then I would, and then I would move to them and then we'd be in a hotel and hang out. And 
So, you know. So you skipped the whole Mullins, Polinick, Topper thing. Like yes. Right to camper. Yeah. Fifth see, wheel. See, I'm on the Topper train right now, and that's been good to me financially. You got a Topper? Yeah, I got a Topper and a bed in the back of my pickup. Dane and I, like for Leech last year, we slept at the ramp. Really? Yep, see, for that's... three days. That's what we do. So I'm going to say one more thing, and then we'll go back to the camper. Yep. This goes back to, for all the guys that think they can't, that's not, not even limit to the Champions Tour. Yeah. Like any big tournament circuit that you want to fish, you're scared because you ain't got the best boat or the best vehicle. You don't want to pull up to the ramp in your shitty rotted out truck. I did it forever. Who gives a fuck? I'm still doing it. Right. Like as long as that boat floats and can get you to the fish and you can, the biggest hurdle I would say would be the entry fees. Yeah. Because you can sleep for free. If you you're can. if you're, if you're really me, yeah, you if can. you're determined, you can sleep for free, right? There's no cost. You got to eat when you're at home, Dude, right? In 2018, 2019, Dane and I, I gave him my parents' rotted out queen bed in his, <laughs> and I didn't have a topper yet. We we would sleep together in his topper, like two blankets, you know, not dick to dick, you know, <laughs> butt to butt, butt to nut. Nope, butt to butt, <laughs> butt to butt, you know. But uh, the amount of money we save sleeping yes. sleeping in that truck, you know, like those so, tournaments didn't cost us much. And we had a – and Rick Clun, I mean, he's one who – he likes to sleep by the lake. Yeah, in a tent. In a tent. Yep. And I remember like – To be one with nature. Totally, yep. right? Like pressure change. I want to feel it. I want my body to be immersed in nature. I think like that year Dane and I – had we had a crazy run best year of tournament fishing i've ever had was 2019 with dane we slept in the truck every event and just we didn't listen to any doc talk we didn't listen to nobody saying nothing we just immersed ourselves <laughs> intimately with the body of water and not not each other <laughs> <laughs> not each other <laughs> oh, but there was a God. tournament on sturgeon bay where we tented it and we slept on roots in Sawyer Harbor, and it was the worst night of sleep I ever had. Uh, and he had a heater going in the tent. It was the biggest fire hazard I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. But, man, did we learn shit. And then at the Miss, uh, we fished. How I learned to fish rivers was on the Rainy River uh, with Dane. We slept in a tent on the south end of Rainy River, and it was storming. It was just – but we immersed ourselves in the Rainy River, and we just – absolutely didn't catch dick in practice but when we found the deal it was like <laughs> click but it, there's something to be said about immersing yourself in nature but getting back to the <clears throat> camper anyway yeah yeah i just want to say one thing and that the, if you're thinking about fishing champions tour and you don't have a good boat and have a good truck doesn't matter doesn't matter look at no. that i had john cox i had a 500 truck in a 25 year old boat that never ran that's how I started the Champions Tour. You you want to with a busted powerhead, bud. Yeah, anybody can do it. So don't Anyone. like if you if you're on the fence and you're worried about I don't have the best equipment, who cares? Yeah, who cares? Like you can if you don't have a graph, you can beat the bank all day and be competitive. You know, Johnston Westmoreland won a river event out of just a tin can. Like yeah. John Cox, look at what John yeah, Cox has done nationally, exactly without a depth finder. Yes, like. That's the my dude, point. I mean, if he has the depth finders, he doesn't really use them. Uh, just don't let it don't let it bother you. Like if I if I would have worried about that, 
I would not be where I am today. Well, look at Keith Pochet. Yeah. He's fishing the elites out of a John boat. Yes. It's a nice John boat. Well, he knows he might only win one event, maybe two, but maybe either. zero. But when he wins, he's going to have something that no one mm-hmm. else is focusing on. You have, it's like you have to use anything you have to your advantage, mm-hmm. right? Maybe I don't have the nicest boat. Maybe I don't have the nicest graphs. Maybe I don't have the nicest stuff. But guess what? I have all of those less distractions. Less payments. Less payments, <laughs> less everything. And I'm going to focus 100% of my practice on water that everyone else is splitting because they have forward-facing sonar for the other yep. half. You know what I mean? Yep. There's something to do that. I just want to say that. like, Dude, the, I respect. There's a lot of people that hesitate to do what they want to do because of the fact that, that they don't have a nice boat and a nice truck. Dude, who I cares? love that you said that. You know, like, who cares? I love that you said that. You said, no. you seen it last year. I won, I won two boats. And I'm still driving it all, driving around. And it was an upgrade for me. A rusted out, rotted out Dude, Chevy. That's a real like, thing. It was a 2002. It had, it, I mean, it was low miles, 170,000. Low miles for me. It, it was rotted out. It was falling apart. We can all make, ex- I think the, the point to be had about that is we can all make excuses for something. Yeah. You can come up with an excuse for anything. Mm-hmm. Excuses are like assholes. We all have them and they all stink. But at the end of the day, there's a guy who's had more success than any other angler in the state of Minnesota <laughs> who has more kids than you, who has less <laughs> nice of a truck than you, who has, you know, all of these things that you think you need to have. You don't need it. You don't need it. No. Nope. No. That thing between your ears. That's all you need. Is probably the most important thing you got. You need that and an entry fee. But betting on yourself, like fishing is betting on yourself and learning to trust that and just be okay with betting on yourself Mm -hmm. and understanding the biggest hurdle, the biggest hurdle into serious events is the entry fee. Bingo. The rest of the things you don't need. Right. To get started anyways, you know, like to get started. But anyway, back to the camper. So yeah, I got a camper, bought a new truck and... Let me tell you, I upgraded okay. to a 2009. 2009? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> so You got a 14-year-old pickup? Yep. Damn, dude. High rolling now. High rolling. <laughs> uh, it goes back to what we just said. You know, like, you don't need the fancy things. What kind of pickup did you get? It's a, I mean, it's a nice truck. I shouldn't. It's a very nice truck for me. I'm what I'm used oh, to yeah. driving. It's a 2009 Chevy 3500. Okay. So it's a dually. It's a nice truck. Haul the camper. Yep. Yeah. I need a dually because the wife needed the Taj Mahal, you know? The fifth wheel, like big fifth wheel? Yeah. yeah. Winne- Winnebago, Jayco, what we got the here? The hell is it? Oh, this is a crazy story. Yeah. We should, we'll tell the story. We'll probably try wrapping it up. I got a long drive ahead of me. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> uh, so we decided to buy a camper. Mm-hmm. This was actually at Gull. We had those few days of downtime. You guys went off to practice on Big Stone. We went yep. camper shopping. Sure. Well, yeah, the hell, you know? yeah, we just want to go. We spend yeah. about seven thousand dollars a year in hotels, you know. So it's like that's a that's a significant cost. Yes, it's very significant. And when you're living in a hotel, you're living out of a microwave, so we do a lot of eating out. Sure. So it's like that adds up <clears> too. This is just getting to the point where this is stupid, you know. Yep. Well, let's look at campers, and I'm thinking, okay, it's about like a twenty thousand dollar used camper, something you know we can all cram in, you know. It'd be just like a hotel. Hotels are small. Yep. Uh, long story short, I'm gonna call you out, Jenna. Sorry, you're saying Jenna. 
Sorry, genitals. That's her nickname, genitals. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we ended up buying a fifty-some thousand-dollar camper. She doubled the budget, pretty much, because she found some camper down in Texas that she liked. And we had a camper bought in Camping World in Oatana. Yep. We were gonna go sign the papers on it. She was scrolling on Facebook, come across this deal. This guy wanted a camper, or he has his son's camper for like sixty-five grand. She's like, oh, my God, hon, this is the one, this is the one, this is what we need. It's great for all of us. It'll fit all the kids. And that way you can get up in the morning and cook breakfast. You don't have to worry about anyone, you know, tripping over anybody, waking yep. anybody up. And I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, I kind of get it. This would be nice. Usually I'm, like, drinking my coffee in the morning, sitting on the toilet, you know, eating my breakfast on the toilet because I'm living in the, out of the bathroom because I don't want right. to wake anybody up in the hotel. You right, know? right, right. My God, that would be nice. Yeah. I've never been able to cook breakfast and sit on the couch and watch a show before I go fishing in the morning, you know? Sure, sure. I'll hear you out. She said, 65. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. She's like, what would you pay? I said, 50. She's like, okay, I'll offer the guy 50. He, she offered the guy 50, and he laughed at her, and okay, whatever. <laughs> Let's go buy this camper and camper world, and we'll be done. I think the, like a week later, we're, we're getting ready to go sign the papers at camper world. The next day, the guy messages us back. I said, I can do it for like 55 and that's it. And she said 52 when you got a deal or that's something. Why I, that's why you offer, that's why you offer 50 folks. <laughs> yeah. Long story short, bought the camp or sight on scene out of Texas. Damn. Never yep. seen it before in our lives until the day we got it. Yeah. It was like a three month process. It took forever to get it. Sure. We finally got it and, yeah, and it is absolutely beautiful. It's like a 43 foot fifth wheel. Got, yeah, it's got four slides, refrigerator, oven, kitchen, wow, bunkhouse for the kids, master bedroom, washer dryer. So we're investing our fishing money back into fishing. Holy smokes! That's where the boat went to a truck and camper. How many bedrooms? Uh, two bedrooms, but I, I should I should say three. It has the master bedroom. Yep. But then it has a bedroom with double bunks, and then a, on top of that is a loft. Oh, shit. For, like, two or three other kids. Oh, it has a loft? It sleeps, like, 11 people or something. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Because <laughs> you have, a, how many kids do you have officially? Uh, five that would be traveling with us. Okay. And then you got some older ones. Yeah, they don't count. They're older. Yeah, they don't count. They're okay. adults now. Yeah, shit. So everyone's got two beds in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> stretch out. Right. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's bittersweet because it's a... Uh, it's a big cost. I, I I look at that camper as like there's my opens, I could be fishing the opens, but I said I bought a camper, but it's it's the part of being married, having a family is you compromise, so that's kind of a compromise. That we bought the camper is kind of we're setting ourselves up to make that transition that can take you to the opens into the too. opens. You know? Yep, yep. So that's kind of a long term thought process behind it because it's gonna help cut a little bit of cost there's you know the costs aren't that great a difference in, in a year of fishing but now we have something that's ours a yep. place that's ours and we're not spending all this money on food every day at a restaurant or fast food so we can actually Which cook our own lot. meals we have our own place to come to every time my boat's not sitting in the hotel parking lot every night with right. fifteen thousand dollars in tackle sitting in it and crossing my fingers that it's still there in the morning you know like because groceries are only double the cost versus you know probably <laughs> yeah, the same cost to go out to eat now <laughs> But the big thing is, is you guys are a tight knit family. Mm -hmm. Like you guys are together, mm -hmm. and I think you know Jenna. It's easy for you to see the short term of 
yeah, if I didn't have any kids, I could be fishing this or this or this right now. But she's a little bit more long-sighted, maybe. Is that a good way to put it? Like, here's a deal. This camper, you know, this, eight this years camper from now, will allow- we are still going to be fishing at the opens because we're yeah. able to do this, yeah. you know. And it's... That is kind of her, you know, like and I said, like, we kind of made a compromise. Like, okay, this year we'll get the camper. And as long as we have a successful year this year, not saying I'm going to win a boat or anything, but if we, if we just do okay. You know, cash and checks along the way, do okay. Don't go backwards financially. Then the opens be something that we can seriously consider next year. Right. And then put all of our eggs in that basket. And, and the camper will, because I don't think people realize the cost of travel, you know. Oh, it's insane. We went to Ross Barnett. You know, as a family. Well, last year was an especially bad year to go to Ross Burnett because gas was especially expensive yeah, yeah. last year. Yeah, it was round trip there and back for us as a family to travel. And we didn't eat out. We lived out of that hotel. We cooked food out of the microwave and stuff, and it was still $5,000. So, and that 2000 of that was a hotel fee. like Right. And a campground. So, we booked Lahamadu, which is the last tournament for the Champions Tour. Yep. Lahama do so we booked two weeks, assuming we have or not, not two weeks, it's like twelve days. Yep. So we have a day to get there set up and then five days of practice, fish Lahamadu, and then you know, like a five day of gap and then the championship. So it's like thirteen days or something like that. It was like two hundred and fifty bucks. Jesus. So if that and for Gull last season, you know what we paid to go from Gull to Serpent? We didn't leave, we stayed up in Brainerd. It was twenty five hundred dollars. Oh my god, dude! Yeah, it's, hotels are insane, especially with kids. Like that's the thing. So I mean, people you, are like, oh, like you always travel with your kids. Yeah, yeah, that's so expensive. I to stay home. It's like, yeah, I, you know, I get what people are saying. That, I understand that. Makes that. sense. Yeah, it's so expensive. Uh, but number one, like, like what the wife always says, memories, right? It's something yep. that always remembers as long as they live. And number two. I don't have any distractions with staying with no offense. Like there's a lot of guys that stay together, right? Yeah. I try that. And that, to me, that was a distraction. I get that. Because you're going to the bar, you're drinking more beer than you should drink at night. Yep. You just have a hard time getting up in the morning. Yep. You're getting wrapped up in what other people's pre-fishing is doing and you're starting to let it get into your head and you're starting to practice that way. To me, that was, that's why I don't stay with anybody. If I do go solo, I stay alone. I say, I separate myself from everybody and everything so I can focus on what I want to focus on. Sure. And don't let any outside factors influence my practice and my tournament. I love that. And Dane and I were that way. And we roomed with Ron and James Chapman. And that's been the best for us because those guys don't, they don't talk about a lot. And we don't talk about a lot. And we're kind of all on our own I, but, deal. But there's I, something to be said about I miss the socializing though, because I used to do it a lot, you know. But I, I really miss that side of it, You're hanging sure. out with the buds and you know drinking a few beers stuff like that. But well, our cabin's always open, bud. I, I, I just tend to get carried away, and next thing you know, it's like midnight, and I'm still drinking with the buddies, and we're talking fishing, and it's like, how can how, how am I gonna get up at four in the morning, you know? Like, and have this good practice, and like, the best thing I found for me, which could be different for everybody, the best thing I found for me is I separate myself. I talk to people all day long on the phone, and. Sure. We float in a boat and we'll see each other. We'll hang out. Hey, we'll BS, up? you know, but at the end of the night, I need to get off the lake. I need to separate, do my own thing. I need to go to bed and reset and do it again the next day. And that's right. Everyone has their own jam, you know, and it goes back to what we said earlier. Just got to find what works for you, you know. And for me, it's going back to the, this year is going to be camper. 
seeing my kids, picking on them a little bit, BSing a little bit, having spaghetti. Hopefully the wife cooks me some spaghetti and have a couple beers and go to bed, you know, and right, right. kind of just mentally reset and do it again. Well, there's, there's like this invisible resistance in life that is always there, no matter what. Is there's, the, there's some sort of resistance in life. And that could be resistance to shovel your driveway. That could be resistance to do something you need to do or resistance to not do something. For example, I stay with Ron Mayer, James Chapman, and Dane Veselka. James Chapman, it takes resist. Like you are encouraging resistance when you stay with James Chapman because you don't want to stay up too late. You don't want to take that pull of Windsor Black Cherry, <laughs> you know. And then saying. there's the other side of it where there's that resistance of I don't want to get out of bed today. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to do the dishes. I and overcoming that resistance. It's the hardest part. Is the hardest part, mm-hmm. and it's key though. And See, Doc I, Talk will burn you it will. if you listen to enough of it and let it consume your brain. It will. It will burn you because you're chasing somebody else's fish, and that is the worst thing you can do. Well, and you mentioned this before, like when we were taking a piss break, it's, you know, you are to an extent who you associate yourself with, whether that's anybody or, or somebody, um, you know, who you surround yourself with will affect you Mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form. So a hundred percent, I would a hundred percent believe that you look at, so the best way to have anybody understand this is anybody that follows bass fishing and tournament fishing, look at Jacob Wheeler in the last how many years, who has he started rooming with? Dustin Connell, Connell and Mark Daniels Jr. Yep. Adrian Avina. Yep. Look at their success. Has all of them. skyrocketed. All of them. Yep. Like they went from good fishermen to now they're a top level, top five percent. And I'm not saying it's Jacob Wheeler that did it, but they you surround yourself with greatness, you yep. know, and like it just you hold yourself to that standard at some point. You know? You're yeah. all great and you're all gonna be great together. Yeah. And nobody gets there alone. Not completely. Red you Chris. wouldn't get there without Jenna, you know, with yeah. the family. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I feel like they're they're like my reality check to stay away from my past. Right. Like, because I, I was easily swayed to make bad decisions. Like, so now it's like, okay, I just come back to my kids, my family. It's your sense of grounding, so to yeah, speak. Yeah, it's yeah, your yeah. boundary. Yep, yep. It, it's it's your back to reality mm. and it's 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 that nice transition from i'm fishing to i'm back to reality mm-hmm. i'm fishing to i'm back to reality yep. versus back to lose yourself somewhere along yeah and up line. at the bar and i think you know it's two in the morning and yep. you, have, you have a tournament in three hours you're fishing for fifteen thousand dollars right how are you gonna win i can't you know so it's I don't work that way. Figgy's a, Figgy's a guy who He's works the exception. That way. He's the exception. Yeah. Nope. Find you a nice Russian girl and win the derby. <laughs> like, Jesus. Oh, shit. But no, like, like, like I said, you know, you kind of surround yourself with some people and like look at Redcrest. Who's in the top 10? Jacob Wheeler, Dustin Connell, Adrian Avina. The only person that didn't make it was Mark Daniels Jr. Right. And he was right there. Yep. Like, there's something to be said about that, you know, like. Totally. You push each other, you push each other, you push each other. And that kind of, that's kind of how I've come up too. like all my buddies back home. Like we all think we have the best fishermen in our circuits in the state, you know, like, right. Well, I truly believe the guys back home, yep. they are some of the best shallow water fishermen you will ever meet. I believe it. Ever. Like, I believe it. Like it is insane. And there's a handful of guys that pushed me to fish and learn offshore. And like they are, 
I'm glad they don't fish a Champions Tour. But it's like they pushed me and pushed me and pushed me and pushed me because I wanted to win. I wanted to win. And if I didn't have them constantly pushing me and beating me, then I, who knows where I'd be, you know? Dude, you so, need competition. You need yeah. people better than you. You need to put yourself in a situation that's maybe not that cushy job that you had. You need, <laughs> yeah. to, you need adversity. You need mm -hmm. all of those things. I mean, Rogan said it, or people have said it, you know, good times create, or bad times create strong men strong men create good times good times create weak men <laughs> and that cycle that. continues to go round and round and i mean there's a lot to be said about that dude there's yeah when a you lot come up when you come that. up from nothing you learn to appreciate everything and i think that's the epitome of of you man is yeah. is you haven't been given anything mm -hmm. and you don't take anything for granted no. i mean a lot of people would win a boat and say, you know, I made it, right? But for you, that's more fuel. Like, mm -hmm. you just pour gas on your fire. And, I want and more and more and more. It's a pleasure fishing against guys like you because I just want to get better. And the only so way do I. I do that is to, you know, go get my teeth kicked in and, and, you know, really just hone in. But I won't do that fishing against, you know, the little sisters of the poor. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Oh, shit. You can feel good about yourself whooping up on some crippled kids, but at the end of the day, like you're not gonna get any better. You're not gonna get any better. No, no you gotta get your teeth kicked. And then when we, and then the thing is, is like I always do. Like, yeah. like people, people see the good things, but there's so much more of the getting your ass whooped that, that people don't talk about and focus on. Totally, like, dude. It's man, I, you get your ass kicked a lot fishing. You do, mm -hmm. and I think. Like, You're I, I, kind of like me, where learning to take those licks is hard. It's so hard. I, 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 I like mentally, I struggle with that. Like, you go from the highest to highest. I go from gull and serpent. Like, I'm on top of the world. Yep. And my next tournament is Malax. Yep. Boom. Get my teeth kicked in. Big stone. Big, know, big stone. Get my teeth kicked in. I'm like, I'm, I'm selling my boat. I can't fish. Who yeah. am I? Like, I suck. I suck. I'm I didn't catch everything. a bass on Lake Hartwell. Like, I suck. Like, why? Dude, you qualify for the national championship. Whatever it is, like we psych ourselves out. We're yeah. our own worst enemy that way. But I can't believe I made it this far without having to pee. Do you want to? Uh, you want to wrap this up, or do you want to? Yeah, yeah. I got kids. I promise. Those kids I'd, want you back. I promise. I would tuck in, and I'm not going to make it. So. Well, yeah, we can't have too much more space dust, or else you'll never make it home. That's true. That's yeah. true. But, dude, congrats on another boat. Congrats on another awesome year, dude. It's been a pleasure fishing against you, having you out here. It means the world. So thanks so much for making the trip, and Any, I always enjoy any, talking to you, man. Anytime. Dude. Anytime. Appreciate it, That's dude. awesome coming here. Cheers. Cheers. Checking in, checking out.